Radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left hand path. This is Damonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. And here we are again. Our guest this evening is T.G. Mundolf, the mastermind behind Latex Records and now the new Venus Aeon label. I've known TG since the early days of Asmodeus X. We started talking shortly after Asmo's first full-length Wolf Age had come out, and then reached a crescendo when Asmo signed with Latex Records to release the album Morningstar. If you're familiar with Morningstar and all the Luciferian themes that came along with it, well, then a lot of what comes next might make more sense to you. Latex Records started on the Ides of March 2001 as an independent music and merchandise retailer. Latex Records was formed with the intention of independent artists, musicians, and entrepreneurs working together to help each other succeed in the industry. This was evident in the original Latex logo, which is a Norse bind rune composed of the Gibo Kinots and Fehu runes. Gibo means gift, Kinots means creative energy or fire, and Fehu means wealth, success, and happiness. TG designed this bind rune and defined it well as success through creative collaboration and partnerships. And eventually, uh, all this emerged and remanifested in a partner label called Venus Aeon. So this whole interview was conducted while TG's partner, uh, Hada Pixie, who's a erotic model, was doing a photo shoot with a photographer, J.C. Barger, in a very interesting warehouse setting. So I hope to have this on video at some point. The video turned out good. Um, and that's something we've been working on here um, at Damonosophy to get video counterparts for these things up. We got good video of the uh, Lloyd Keene interview as well. And uh, as soon as we learn a little bit more about the technical needs for that, we hope to have those out on YouTube or something of that nature. Uh, all that is to say that there's lots of interesting things going on visually during this interview, which um, you'll hear us referring to, for instance. So there's this photo shoot was going on in one room where Ada Pixie's uh, dressed up in uh, witchy kind of stuff, and there's a cauldron and like lots of nice gothic sorts of imagery. And T.G. was sitting in the other room on this big velvet-looking throne uh, type thing, and, and that's where we were conducting the interview for, for most of the time. But then, um, and, and you'll hear some things in the background because stuff's going on um, in the environment. But uh, at a couple points, he gets up and, and walks around and, and, and shows us some stuff. And occasionally some people come up and interact with him. So it's very interesting. 
It was a very, uh, very fun interview to do. Um, I, I, I know TG well in certain in certain capacities, and so there was lots of opportunities for us to kind of uh, reminisce and, and, and wander off into some uh, subjective items here and there, which uh, I think is always uh, nice to do. So without any further ado, here is T.G. Mundolph and Latex Records. Hey, T.G. Mondolf, how you doing? Hey, doing great. How you doing? I'm good. So, hey, this is like really awesome seeing you here. Can you uh, uh, tell us a little bit about where you are tonight? Um, right now, I am actually um, at one of the uh, photo shoots for my girlfriend, Ava Pixie, um, with uh, Curtis Barger Photography. Uh, they are doing um, uh, uh, like a, uh, a pinup uh, witch, like a Halloween witch pinup theme. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. One of my favorite things. I love pinup witches. Yep. Definitely. Same here. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, record labels. Let's talk about um, Latex Records and Venus Aeon Records and all the stuff that you've got going on. Um, and my opinion, you know, you're a real driving force in what I consider the underground, uh, you know, LHP, dark demonic music kind of scene. And so uh, for that alone, I'm super excited to be talking to you here this evening. But before we talk about all the intense stuff that you got going on right now, let's like let's like dial it back. Let's go way back to to the good old days. So when did you very first decide that? It was your mission in life to start a record label. Well, first, thank you for the compliments. Um, let's see. Back, gosh, this is uh, this is going way back. Um, in about, uh, I guess, 1999, I was actually running an e-zine called Rhythmusnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, it was basically just a scene zine and uh, had uh, uh, was doing a lot of uh, uh, music reviews, some interviews, um, uh, running internet radio back when Live 365 was still around. Right. Um, but, and basically it was um, getting to know people who were actually creating new and upcoming music uh, was, was definitely uh, a driving force in it. Um, and of course, you know, the excitement of being able to do interviews with people like Faith in the Muse, um, being able to do a live chat with... Um, uh, Kevin Key and Phil or Phil from Filth, um, stuff like that for download. That was that was some highlights. Um, we uh, basically I had the idea to do like a CDR compilation project. Um, just it was basically really just going to be a free compilation uh, done as a burned as a CDR, just to promote new and upcoming bands. Um, and people would just have to pay shipping, and that was it. Um, and I was going to start something that, at the time, I was going to call it a Collective Creations, um, or, or, yeah, Collective Creations. <clears throat> and um, then eventually it came into the idea of, you know, people were saying, well, why don't you do a CDR label? Like, I didn't even know CDR labels were a thing, but that was something that was really big in the music uh, internet culture at that time, that, you know, these were, were growing, you know, like I knew of a few of them, at the time unfortunately they're all gone now some of the best labels around actually um so what is that what does that mean cdr label 
basically, the, uh, the CDR labels, instead of doing mass production, uh, they're just doing you know very small DIY production. It's basically the the internet uh, equivalent of the old uh, cassette mail order groups, right. um, kind of like um, what. Uh, uh, Genesis P origin and some other people used to run back in the day. Right. Um, you know, they just have, uh, you know, people would get on a mailing list and they'd get, you know, cassettes in the mail to introduce them to new stuff. And, uh, the CDR labels are kind of following the same concept. Um, although they did, you know, sell the albums, but they were, you know, low budget packaging. It was all DIY, you know, like it might just be a, a, a home printed disc and a clamshell, you know, but you had like this new, you know, experimental noise and Industrial band that nobody had ever heard of, and you know uh, there was a lot of really great music going around that way. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, totally. I mean, you're you're taking me back because you know I guess uh, as, as you know I was I was involved in the music scene at that time, and you mentioned people like Faith and the Muse and Kevin Key, and I don't know if that like you know reveals our age to uh, right. <laughs> the listeners out there and CDRs and stuff like that because you know things of like really changed a lot but i mean for me the kind of time period and so what 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 what's the time fix on this what 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 years are you thinking here um i'm basically talking about like 1999 and in the year 2000 basically is what was happening for me personally i guess um because of the uh internet music culture i was kind of i guess slowly transitioning from being just you know, someone who is a major fan of, you know, goth industrial and alternative music and, and various underground music to becoming someone who wanted to help bands promote, wanted to help people hear new music. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you make a mixtape for your friend and you that you want to introduce to new music. And so I, for me personally, it was like taking this to a whole new level using Internet technology, using, um, you know, Internet radio uh, and, and, and trying to create something. Uh, through, you know, doing music reviews and all that. And, and then, like I said, you know, the, the idea of trying to do like a, a CDR compilation to try and introduce people to new music. And that was really the driving force behind it. Right. So, so, so let's talk more about the driving force because I know eventually um, there came to be like some more, um, I guess, esoteric and sort of philosophical aspects uh, to everything that, uh, you know, you and a lot of other people connected with latex were, were bringing right. into being. So when did that, when did that come uh, into play and how much of your initial vision, how much of that was within your initial vision of everything when you started? Um, actually a lot of that was in the initial vision, um, because all of this was actually still coming into play during the Rhythmus net dates. Um, Basically, is what was happening is, um, I guess around 1997, I had gotten introduced to um, neo-paganism, and so from that exposure, and then of course my interest in you know music and the goth scene and all that, um, the easing that I was running 
covered a lot of different things. It wasn't just, um, you know, goth industrial music and, and scene and culture, subculture stuff. Um, and of course, for me, it was everything subculture, which would include, you know, uh, BDSM and fetish as a subculture. Um, and I looked at the neo-pagan scene as a subculture because it pretty much was at that time. It was something that was, you know, goddess spirituality and stuff like that was, was on the rise. Um, and so for me, it was taking a lot of this and pulling it together. It was, um, you know, taking the techno trance scene and realizing the shamanic rhythms and things like that and, and how these things kind of, uh, are, are very similar in, 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 uh, uh, in, in the driving force and, and the basic effect, I guess, that, that people get from it, you know, the, yeah. the experience that people have um so that was a that was a lot to do with it it was a lot of different things all of this was kind of coming together with rhythmusnet um and so the first release that we were trying to do which like i said initially was just going to be like a cdr but then it was like hey we're let's do a label and when word got out in the internet culture people were expecting a full-blown record label and um the person that I was partnering with at the time um, had other business that he had to take care of, so it kind of ended up on me. And I was like, you know, I got the business license. Let's go ahead and do this as a, a, a real thing. You know, let's get the UPC codes and get in the shrink wrap. Let's make it real, right, you know? Right. Um, and so that's what I did. And that that's basically where Electro Age came from. Um, Electro, Electro Age, The Awakening, uh, was the first release on Latex Records. Yeah. And it really was the culmination of everything that was, was Rhythmusnet. Uh -huh. So that's kind of how it came about. And that became the the very start of latex records so the spiritual uh things you know all the spiritual connections all the esoteric stuff the mysticism magic the occult all that was very much a, a strong foundation in the label um which is pretty evident in that album cover because basically is what you have is uh the the hanged man tarot um which is revealed as you know odin on, on yggdrasil <laughs> on right. that album yeah cover. of course there's, a, there's like an electric guitar in there too instead of just a tree you know and with the runes flying around you know so all of that really tied in and and that album really is rhythmusnet yeah no and it's like all those things you mentioned about it that's uh, all stuff that um i remember um, got me really excited at the time. And, you know, to me, it's like remembering that time period. Um, yeah. and, and, and for me, I was like, you know, I did, I did Morphine Angel in a lot of the 90s. And then right, right. Uh, around the time that, you know, um, uh, I, I encountered Latex, I was doing Asmodeus X. But to me, it just right. always made perfect sense that these scenes, you know, um, that I would encounter, and this is mostly touring with 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 Morphine Angel to uh, all these different places. I mean, uh, the occult and you know neo paganism and and Satanism and yep. all of these things were like really prominent. You know, you'd do shows and you'd talk to people. You'd always find someone who was like not, you know, 
what I would call a, you know, you know what, what you might call a poser, right? But people who are like really, <laughs> you know, people who are really into this stuff and they're also into right. this music. And so to me, it was just like a complete package of subculture. And I'm like, well, this one aspect of it is something that right. ha- it hasn't just been. An image, it was actually a philosophy. Right. There's something substantial. Yeah. There's something substantial right. about this movement. It's not just music, you know? And then it yep. seemed to me, and it, it seemed to me like that kind of changed. So, so when, you know, the, that early, you know, the, the, the 99, 2000, you know, transitional kind of period, you know, these things were still going on and, oh, okay. um, you know, we're still doing things, but then it seemed like for a while that kind of like, uh, lessened in the scene that got less, less, less cool in the scene. You know, there's this <laughs> time period, you know what I'm talking about? There's yeah. kind of this, like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's like the golden age of EBM or what it is, but there's a time period where everything was just very, you know, very, you know, rational, materialistic and, you know, uh, very like, you know, not, not, uh, not, uh, occult friendly, I guess is the term I, for it. Um, is that, do you agree with that? Do you, did you see that happening? Yeah, also? I definitely do because even when I was doing Rhythmus Net and, um, sometimes I would like, one of the things I liked about when I was running that was a lot of my private interactions with bands. Um, I got to learn more about their creative process and learn more about their own personal philosophy and how that influenced their music. A lot of times, you know, these were things that they would not go public with because that was not acceptable. You know, they couldn't talk about things like open eye meditation or anything like that, you know, because that would be considered too fluffy to some of the fans or or, or too weird, you know. Right. Um, And, you know, if someone was into, you know, a a darker occult philosophy, then obviously, you know, it'd be like, you know, too dark or too scary for, you know, some of the fans or whatever. So, you know, a, a lot of them while it was portrayed in their art and in their music, um, they weren't really public about it. But because of who I was and what I was doing, they would talk to me about it. Um, there were, you know, in on some occasions, there were artists who were, you know, blatantly doing things that were, were very occult or spiritual related. But if I tried to get them involved in a project that openly stated that it was a cult or spiritual related, they were like, we can't be a part of that because, again, they were too worried about the public opinion. And so, you know, while they were doing it on their own, they just didn't openly state it. They left it as, you know, I guess they pretty much left it to interpretation of the fans, you know, where fans would just look at it as, oh, they did this thing because it's kind of a tongue in cheek and and, you know, it's just all in fun, you know, like a horror film. You know, you don't you don't take the occult and ritual aspects of a horror film as being serious. You know, you take that as, you know, just kind of a playful artistic representation and it's not real. It's just, you know, fun and fun and games at that point. And I think that as long as their audiences saw it as that, then it made it easier for them and they couldn't actually openly say that this is really what I do and this is who I am and this is my philosophy. Right. As long as you keep it uh, tongue in cheek. And for me, this is like, uh, this is like camp. This is when when people say camp, let's bring in a little bit of camp into it and then it won't be, uh, it won't be as scary. It'll be more palatable. People who uh, don't want to, you know, be associated with uh, whatever Satanism or runes or whatever. Don't, don't don't have to like worry about that. But and right. and so one on, on one side, you know, it feels like well, um, if you really are fueled 
by, you know, a substantial legitimate essence of those sorts of things, you feel like, oh, why am I going to like hide it or candy coat it or sugar it? But at the same time, by adding those campy elements and making it uh, more, um, uh, more, I guess, accessible, that also allows you to sort of push those ideas out there a little bit more because those ideas are still like contained in the, in the core of it, you know? Well, and what's really interesting about this conversation is that's actually kind of the attitude that I approached Venus Aeon with when I started it was the fact that, you know, now we have this whole new musical movement of Witch House, Uh you know, and Witch House is, you know, occult and ritual and, of course, a lot of horror stuff as well. But all of the occult themes and witchy themes in Witch House are not really meant to be taken seriously. But being someone, you know, who isn't a pagan, you know, is a pagan and is an occultist. You know, I'm like, well, shit, I can use this and put some real occult material out into, you know, out into the mainstream, basically, you know, put it out into the airwaves. Right. And those who know will see it. And those who don't know, you know, hopefully subconsciously will kind of pick up on the truths behind some of these symbolisms and, you know, the the, the archetypal symbols and, and kind of hone in on that and be drawn to it. You know what I mean? Right. So. It's it's one of those things where, you know, while Witch House is a current trend, it's something that I think is useful for, you know, people like ourselves who really do have an occult message to, to get out there. Yeah. So, you know what I heard about Witch House? What? So there's a big question with those new genres. There's always this like, a, let's define the genre. Tell me what the genre is. What does it like really right. mean? You know? And, you know, it's 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 kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of a game or something. Uh, but so I heard that um, Witch House, where Witch House came from, uh, it was inspired by the uh, like chopped and screwed hip hop from Houston, you know, where they slow it down real slow. Right. So we're talking like this, right. you know. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> Huge part of it. Well, and what's even funnier is the is uh, Witch House literally was something that I and I don't remember the actual individual name now. It's been too long since I read about it. But um, basically, it was it was a term that someone used as a music genre that intentionally was it was something that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of throwing something out there. Um, and it and it's, it basically is what ended up happening is people kind of picked up on it and went, hey, you know, maybe that's a good idea. Let's do that, you know? Right. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting to play with. Right. So something else you mentioned is about, uh, you know, going back to the idea that there's like sort of like uh, – you know, there's a substantial kernel of like real stuff, like sort of embedded in this music. So that's there for the people who are into that. And then you've yeah. also got the dancey stuff for the people who are into into you know dancing and the more fun yep. um, aspects of it. So yep. so tell me, what do you feel is the value of putting in the kernel of something that's that's real? What is the value well, for those people? What do you think is I, I, what are you accomplishing in the universe by doing that? I I think um, it's more directly and intentionally doing something that I found ended up kind of happening coincidentally or synchronistically with Latex Records. For instance, uh, you know how you and I met uh, through Latex Records. And it was, you know, that the whole, you know, meeting of philosophies. And you also know how there was, you know, a handful of individuals who were all on the same page, all 
you know, falling into this, uh, you know, same philosophy synchronistically at the same time and how, you know, we kind of came together and, and helped build Latex Records into what it's become. I think with uh, Venus Aeon is what I'm doing is I'm intentionally throwing some of this symbolism out there because I'm kind of playing on the esoteric principle of like attracts like. You know, it's like yeah. if you throw it out there and people, you know, the, the right people are going to be drawn to it. You know, the people who who either need to know or need to find others like themselves are going to be drawn to it. You know, a lot of times I think is what happens is uh, people are out there and they think they're alone. They think they're the only ones who have this philosophy or this this idea yeah. and don't realize how many people really are out there who have the same philosophy. It's kind of like um, the uh, now defunct uh, Greater Church of Lucifer, as you know, because you're right there in Houston. Um, that was something that when it rose up, um, I don't think most Luciferians you know, in the nation and maybe even internationally realized how many Luciferians there were in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a, most of us thought we were either kind of alone or maybe we might have known one or two here and there. You know, we might have known a handful of people, but we didn't really know anyone outside of our own private circle. And now it's one of those things where you can sit there and look and go, wow, there's there's a lot of people globally who actually identify with this philosophy. Yeah. So I think that's the same thing with the record labels, um, especially with uh, Venus Aeon is, you know, by putting the occult ideas out there and putting the symbols there, um, you know, people connect with the symbols. You know, we we all know how archetypal symbols work in the subconscious. It's very Jungian concepts uh, of that and how we connect to that. And so it's one of those things where, you know, the people who identify with it will you know they're they're gonna see it and go oh wait wait this this is something i know i know this you know and then when they start talking to each other they'll realize that they're kind of kindred spirits you know right so i think that's a big part of it too right so you 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 went back to the time period of uh when when we had first met um (laughs) of course that was as modius x starting to have conversations with uh latex records which uh, eventually uh morphed into uh the release of the album morning star which which um was like i mean a lot of people still come back and say you know that was really the best um you know as modius x you guys really jumped the shark with that one but (laughs) and and and, you know that that had like lucifer written all over it right i mean that was about morningstar that was about the the archetype of it and you know there had always you know like you said how like um you know certain things like happened in later where all these people who sort of identified as as luciferians had this opportunity to sort of see each other and sort of find yep. each other and and um you know there had always been people around like you know who would you know talk about say well i'm a, I'm, I'm a luciferian and sort of um you know work with that paradigm which right. to me i mean always made sense i mean uh from a, a left-hand path perspective i mean the luciferian archetype is really really a core left-hand path uh pattern that's the pattern of of you know leaving you know leaving the 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 you know the the mainstream you know walking away from the mainstream walking away from authority basically leaving authority and saying you know i am i am my own master i'm gonna go my own way it's the way of uh that's why it's the way of the alone it's the way of darkness and 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 again, going back to see, I always associate this with with 
with uh, the early latex record days yep. and uh, when Same. when we connected and then the other people too that first generation yep. of exactly. like latex bands like uh, you know yep. Kali Yuga Riley Kali Yuga the Evolutionaries Written in Ashes everyone was just down Same. with these ideas everyone yeah. just everyone exactly. just connected on this and and was working together and it was just a really amazing time period um, yep. yeah. <laughs> Well, and the author, Samuel Morningstar, don't forget as well. He was part of that as well. Even yeah. though he was part of the label, he was he was definitely connected with us in, in that area. Yeah, definitely. I know. I know. Yeah, every, every time I start mentioning people, it's like, gosh, I'm going to forget to mention someone. Yep. Um, yeah, I know. Same here. <laughs> well, and, and just like you, I always go to, back to that period, too, because if you remember um, how I came to you and I was like, hey, I, I wrote this document because, you know, I've been doing all, all this personal research and I kind of hit this epiphany and I'm curious what you think about it. And it basically was the document that we ended up releasing with the album Morningstar. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea that that was the album you were producing until you told me. And, and you were like, yeah, guess what the name of my album is? And you're like, Morningstar. And I'm like, no fucking way, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean there there was some interesting synchronicities going on there as well. Yeah, totally. No, you're right, man. So now I'm remembering all this other stuff too. Like somewhere along the way then like the Airbeth transmission started to evolve out of that. And like you were like yeah. one of the first people that I started sharing like the early uh early manuscripts with that and getting feedback yeah. on. So yeah, so much heavy shit like grew out well, and was born uh, out of that. Album. What a lot of people don't realize is the the Neo album by Container was actually produced during that time period back in 2004, but they didn't release it until several years later because when they were looking at their own recordings, and I don't really know what inspired them to start playing them backwards, but they did. <laughs> but basically, they were playing them backwards, and they were finding lyrics that were basically finishing the story of the lyrics they actually wrote for the album. And so they were so blown away and kind of unsettled by the whole thing. They wow. were like, I-, I don't know if we can release this to the public. We need to hold this for a while. And so they, they held it, and then eventually they they took the, I guess they dug into what they were finding, and they wrote another song right. and added the album and then finally released it wow so there's a lot of really weird like really weird things going on with that album that a lot of people don't realize that either because it's it's very much plays with the demonic divine and the christ antichrist symbol symbology and 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 everything that entails really it's it's a pretty amazing bizarre album and which one that's container yeah containers neo album neo okay yeah. And we can find that we can find that at the Latex Records website. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yep. Yeah, their their albums available on Bandcamp. Awesome. Yeah, so you know, I mean that's the thing I, and I know a lot of different artists can relate to this, but when you reach that experience where it feels like the story is writing itself. Yes. Like, like the things that are ha- all of a sudden the things that are happening in the environment yep. seem like oh wait this is like this is like part of the story and I know there's like a lot of um, yep. there's a lot of like you know mythology and stuff about that too like that yep. movie uh, did you ever see that movie Mountains of Madness I have not I it's don't like, think it's, it's a John Carpenter movie uh, right. but but basically it's like a, a writer and he's writing and all of a sudden things are happening that are like wow it's like you know what I'm writing is like happening in the universe um, well, see, is what's really funny about that actually is this actually goes back to Electro Age again because yeah. that concept 
is really something that I was becoming aware of. And the reason I was becoming aware of it was through not only studying Jungian psychology and all of the occult stuff that I was reading, um, but also by talking to musicians who were talking about the creative process. And everyone I talked to basically said, you know, the best stuff they've ever come up with is are the things that wrote themselves. You know, and, and I think that really connects with what Jungian talk, what uh, Jung talks about when he talks about the collective subconscious, yeah. you know. Um, and so it's one of those things where I think that, you know, we definitely are capable of tapping into something much greater than ourselves. And a lot of people don't comprehend that. And it's obvious why it's 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 not an easy concept to comprehend. It's one of those things that, you know, you only really get it when you experience it. If you don't experience it, you don't get it. And there's really no in between, you know. Um, but that was something, you know, through, you know, uh, personal conversations and interviews with other musicians. And then, of course, you know, reading a lot of occult philosophy and, and, and reading, you know, magic texts and things like that. I was kind of putting all this together and I'm realizing, you know, this, you know, we call this something mystical. But really, this is just how things are. This is nature. We just don't really understand this aspect of nature. You know, it's the whole thing of, you know, quantum reality. You know, we don't really know everything that's out there. It's there it's natural it's not really supernatural we call it that but it's really natural we just don't comprehend it we don't see all of it you well know? it's just a hidden it's a hidden part of it right it's a right. hidden unknown and part of it and it's one of the things where you know whenever i put out electro age i actually put a a, a, a couple short write-ups you know there's like a couple paragraphs or whatever that basically deals with that concept and that was one of the things i was trying to tell people you know that this is something real. This is something that happens. You know, anyone who is a, a, a creative, artistic person, there's a point where they tap into something greater than themselves and it you, they just become a tool for it to create whatever they're creating, you know, and, and it happens. You know, writers do it. Painters do it. Musicians do it. This is something that happens every day, but it's something we don't really talk about, you know. <laughs> so do you feel that you do that, like as far as like how you interact with – Latex records, I, Venus Aeon, and all this stuff. There, there are times where um, I, I couldn't have planned things better than they fall together. Granted, there's times where it's a struggle, just like just like with any creative process. Um, I myself, I don't really consider myself an artist, um, but of course, you know. With the with the inception of Venus Aeon, I'm doing a lot more of the creative work behind the scenes as far as, uh, you know, doing the CD layouts and trying to put the artwork together. I'm working with photographers and models trying to put images together um, so that we have something to build off of to, to kind of create a vision. And sometimes... You know, like I'm just beating my head up against a wall trying, you know, trying to get a concept to come to life. And no matter what I come up with as an idea, it's not going to work. And then sometimes you just do something and everything just falls into place. And granted, you know, people can say, well, that's just coincidence. But but when it comes to. Um, composition and, 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 you know, writing and things like that as well, you know, sometimes those things just fall into place. I, I've had those experiences in other areas that don't relate to the label as well, which is where I, I guess those experiences have been more, um, more extreme um, or, or more impactful. Um, but there's definitely times where, you know, putting, putting art together with the label where it happens. Um, good, great examples of that. A lot of times, um, 
is, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we're trying to come up with something and sometimes we just go by the sound. Like, for instance, um, uh, Y is X on Venus Aeon uh, did the album Skin and um, he didn't really know what he wanted for the artwork. And I didn't really know what what to do for the artwork. And so I actually let the creative process happen through the models. I basically gave um, uh, Other Pixie was working as as a, as the photographer for this one, though she's also a model, of course. Um, and she was working with uh, Magdalena Hex as the model. And before they began any kind of photo shoot or planned anything for a concept, I gave them the album and said, "Listen to the album." And then decide based on the sound what you think it's like what you think it should you know what you should create for it and so that's what they did and when they came back with the images uh you know uh martin who is actually martin from a container who is uh y is x and uh he he was just blown away by the images because he was just like that's actually what I kind of had in my head, but I didn't know how to describe. You know? That's so weird. That's <laughs> like a, it's like a Rorschach. It's like a Rorschach method yeah. for like inspiring uh, ideas, huh? Yeah, yeah, and and that's why I think one of the reasons why I like working with. Um, uh, like a lot of the compilations that I do on both labels, um, I use a lot of uh, uh, themes. So one of the things I like to do is to, you know, throw out a theme and then let, you know, 10 to 20 artists come up with audio tracks along with that theme. Because, and the reason I do this is again, it goes back to that creative process is what it is, is I'm throwing out a concept and it forces them to have to go into that mode of let me let this concept speak to me. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why I do it. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, the artists who let go the most, if that makes sense, um, the ones who just kind of let go and let it speak to them end up coming up with the most amazing stuff every time. Mm-hmm. So it's always worth it. Yeah. It's, it's always it's really fun to watch that happen um and that's why i do themes you know other than of course you know with you know uh you know trying to promote a certain image or or concept through the label it's something that goes back to that original concept from electro age where i'm like let's tap tap into the collective subconscious you know let's let's work with a, a theme let's work with a concept and i especially like doing that with venus aeon because they are archetypal occult concepts so yeah, it, so it, it, sometimes <laughs> totally. So the last uh, theme project that I remember working with you on was disembodied voices. Was that it? Disembodied like ghost voices. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was based on like uh, electronic voice phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically, um, I felt like I had to take a break from the Elements project on Venus Aeon, and I was like, let's go back to the paranormal and something horror related, because I kind of feel like Subterranean Passages was was very like had 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 a very horror feel to it, if that makes sense. Um, although there's a there's a lot of um, uh, uh, very strong esoteric concepts there as well because um, the subterranean passages is actually the passage to the underworld. Wow. So that's really what the concept of that album is. It has to do with um, 
going willingly into the underworld and exploring the underworld. So, you know, some things are going to be beautiful. Some things are going to be horrific. And then, of course, coming out into this new world, um, you know, realizing, you know, your immortality and and coming into a state of love and bliss. And that's what the last track by YSX is really all about. Wow. So it's a it's a double album, uh, a, like a, a, a double release. But that's really what it is. It's a journey through the underworld and, and out. Wow. Um, so so I kind of felt like with disembodied voices, I had to kind of go back to the horror theme. And of course, anyone who listens to it, there's definitely some tracks on there that that definitely have that scare factor. And I, I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the track, I can't remember the track that I was working on, but I remember I think it, I felt like it was haunted at one point because yep. I go back and listen to it because we were both like uh, going back and forth listening to this track, studying it back and forth. And you're like, wait, what happened? Where's that one part? And I was like, I, right. it, it, I thought it was there. And then I'd go back. Oh, wait, it is there. Um, yep. So it felt like the track was, you know, haunted <laughs> or something. But, you know, you, when you talk about the whole idea of like descending into the underworld, see, uh-huh. I think that that's a really heavy thing right there because that's what Orpheus does, you know. Um, that's what. Uh, oh, what's the other? What's the other uh, classic? Dante's Inferno, you know. Yep. It's all about descent into the underworld. Yep. Persephone. Perse- yeah, Persephone. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, and the thing is, is that and and that is really, if people think about it, like um, if you look at Latex Records, you know, the music follows, you know, the, you know, you've got your, you know, goth, industrial, dark wave, EBM, and you've got some experimental stuff, and you've, you know, got various types of electronica and ambient. But if you compare that to Venus Aeon, you realize there's a little bit of a yin yang thing going. You know, mm-hmm. Venus Aeon is definitely yang you know it is it is the dark side of uh-huh. latex records and so um it was started with a dark ambient project that i was invited to do as a collaboration with um uh, uh rob schubert of uncoiled loops and second prime so it's actually dual released on uncoiled loops um with venus aeon and that became the first venus aeon release and to me it was perfect because this whole descent into the underworld and venus aeon specifically focuses on the darker side of dark music you know so i thought that was a perfect introduction for it it's like there's really no better way to start it than to to you know the descent into the underworld oh yeah absolutely so i think i my theory is that the like mythology and stories about descent into the underworld, what those really represent is descent into the self, into the lowest like hidden levels of the self. So you take the, this yeah. this idea that like um, if you look at like the human soul complex as being a house that has different rooms, yeah, and you know yeah, one the, the the main control room is my brain, and then I got my stomach and all this like type stuff. Yep. But then the lowest yeah, level, the downstairs basement that I never go into, <laughs> that's where all the yep. old the forbidden old stuff is like hidden away. And all these yep. descent into the underworld like stories are really just metaphors for descent into the self. Because yeah, you see, either people, people either people come back from it and they're enlightened, or else. 
they never come or they're back. they're crazy <laughs> yeah, or they're <laughs> or crazy. They're yeah. yeah yeah it's one of those things you know a lot of people they're so used to wearing a mask in their daily life they can't even look themselves in the mirror they can't really look at who they really are they they don't and sometimes they don't even know who they really are inside um the uh, descent into the underworld is definitely going to the depths of the subconscious of the individual going into your own psyche and it's facing your own shadow it's 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 that whole mythology you know that you always see like you know we think of you know legend of zelda you know mm-hmm. and you know link you know eventually has to fight his own shadow at the end of the game you know and we can compare this to uh you know luke skywalker you know fighting fighting himself in, you know uh, in the in the underground in the oh tree, yeah on, on dagobah right on dagobah yeah, that was so part of his trading with yoda where exactly. luke encounters himself in the in yep. the underground tree thing yep <laughs> So, so, yeah, I mean, this is something that, you know, obviously uh, uh, George Lucas got from Joseph Campbell because they were friends, you know, where he's talking about, you know, facing the shadow self. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a very strong arp- archetype in, in a lot of, you know, uh, of mythologies. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is, this is something I think occultists do on a daily basis. You know, we're constantly trying to become more aware of, of our, our inner dialogue and, and to know who we really are. You know, a lot of people, you know, something happens and they react to it. Yeah. You know, learn to act consciously and not just react. You right. know, we see something, we, we, we learn to think before we react, you know, because reaction before thought is is what people who don't know themselves do. You yeah. know, people who know themselves think and then act consciously, you know, and yeah. to me the difference is is learning to act consciously rather than being reactive. Yeah. No, and that's like an ancient idea. So, yep. you know, I think Socrates said know thyself. Um, yep. and you know, it's an old idea and it's something that's, that's been lost through like mainstream, you know, um, monotheism, what I would call right hand path, um, has like really right. nothing to do with this at all. It just simply has to do with, uh, obedience. Um, right. you know, uh, obedience is rewarded and disobedience or nonconformity is, is punished or discouraged. Exactly. So, I exactly. mean, in, in my world, people who follow, uh, the left hand path, are, are, are far more religious and spiritual because they're actually taking the time to look at themselves, to look within yeah, themselves. Yeah, we're, we're actually deeper. doing the work. Yeah, we're actually doing the work. I think there's a, a big difference between someone who is religious and someone who is spiritual. Someone who is religious is literally following someone else's example mm-hmm. of what they think spirituality is, but they're not doing the self work like Mm -hmm. i mean not to say that nobody does but generally speaking you know they're they're following someone else's example whereas someone who is spiritual is going within themselves rather than looking for an outside source and and they're they're learning from within you know and they're that knowledge and then using it externally so that they can pretty much create their life in their own image, you know, create the life that they want rather than just kind of following along, you know, being led by the nose. Right. So, and, and a lot of this stuff, um, goes back to, um, young Carl Young. Are you you into Carl Young? Yeah. (laughs) Huge fan of Carl Young and Joseph Campbell both. So yeah. (laughs) I had a feeling. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty much the uh, the major influences that really got me thinking, I think, that, you know, outside of all the, you know, 
a witchcraft 101 books you know <laughs> once once you get into like joseph campbell and young you're kind of like oh that's where a lot of these people actually got some of this stuff you know that's where and and some of the people who are writing you know the the 101 books don't even realize where it's coming from you know and and you can kind of tell but yeah. but it's like you know once you get into that and you start delving into those philosophies and those concepts and you start really getting into you know the more psychological aspects and trying to look at the human psyche then you start really putting two and two together i think at least for me personally that's how it was yeah no i agree and i think uh young and um uh, a lot of psychologists from that time period and you could even go you know a little bit outside of the uh goalposts and talk about uh Ospinsky and Gurdjieff you know as, yeah. as you know Ospinsky talked about their system as being a, a psychology right yeah. and 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 one of the points that he made is that really there's two kinds of psychology. There's the establishment psychology, um, which is like really for doctors, right? It's like, right. well, you got a problem. Okay, I'm going to like, you know, you know, figure out what your problem is and then tell you what to do to get rid of it. And then there's this other like aspect of psychology that's about, well, you know, here's some tools so you can go and dig into your own mind. Right. So you can dig your own hole in your own basement yep. to find out what's down there. And, yep, exactly. And, and here's some tools and here's some ideas and stuff. And so now you need to interpret what it is because you need to find your own way in the universe because that's the only yep. way, really. Everyone needs to find yep. their own way. Yep. It's kind of like the – to me, um, you know, when you really get into esoteric psychology, um, to me it's better than, than any self-help guide that you can find. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are always looking for these self-help books. And to me, you know, this information is something that, you know, it's been there all this time and it's written in ancient texts. All we got to do is pull it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. So, um, another thing that I know that we've talked about and, um, I think that you represented in the release of the primal river valley uh, (laughs) compilation, double CD compilation. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, man. (laughs) Primal River Valley is really interesting because I was going through some – I had some really subjective experiences associated with that release, um, which is – why in the uh, special thanks, you know, where you have like, you know, all the different people, you know, individuals who I might, you know, thank for inspiring it. There's also uh, a credit to the goddess Asherah. <laughs> um, so um, basically there, there was a, uh, some some really like I said are really subjective experiences that I was going through or that I had had um, that inspired it um, and one of the the things about this album is um, basically it it has to do with the ancient Near East and the fact that uh, what we call the Fertile Crescent. Um, which now, of course, is like, you know, Iraq and Iran and, you know, it's a it's a desert, you know, mm-hmm. but it it's used a war to be zone. Green. <laughs> yeah, it used to be green and lush. You know, it used it used to that. And that's why it was, you know, called the Fertile Crescent. But this is also what we call the, the uh, cradle of civilization. Um, so there's a lot of uh, like strong esoteric connections to this location and the fact that it used to be something very different than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also connected to the biblical Garden of Eden. Um, it is uh, uh, what is what some of the other things? Uh, some of the other things connected with the the album is um, 
uh, again goes into subjective concepts, kind of kind of quantum concepts that deal with uh, non-locality. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, though time is a, a linear concept, that it's actually something that. You know, some people have had experiences of, of literally being able to step outside of time and almost see time as a, like an object in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so one of the things that we did with this album is it's a, uh, a double length album. The whole thing is continuous play from start to finish. So even from the end of uh, the last track on the first CD to the beginning of the second CD, there's no break. Like if you put all this in your in your iPod, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and you don't leave any space, if you record it with no space at all, all of these tracks are going to play continuously all the way through from CD one, the beginning of CD one to the end of CD two. And actually, if you put it on on loop, it's going to play continuously through the end of CD two to the beginning of CD one. But that so means you, I'm sorry, what? So it's an infinite loop. Infinite loop. But that definitely means you do not want to put it on shuffle, right? No, you do not want to put it on shuffle. <laughs> yeah, you you can. I mean, you can play it on shuffle. That's funny. The pixies in the background. You could play it on shuffle too. I know. I heard. <laughs> but yeah, it's um. You, it, I mean, obviously, it works on shuffle. But um, you know, it was it was basically designed to be set up that way so that it will play literally in a continuous loop. But it's it's continuous play. It's nonstop. Like there's no break in the music. Yeah. No, that was like an awesome I, – I, I, I look at that as one of the like main like things, like a, a really significant release um, back in the day. Um, and so that's also that, 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 that area. That's also where uh, Zarathustra – Yes. arose like way back whenever yeah. that happened 5,000 this, yeah, this you know, is where BC. all of our monotheistic religions come from mm-hmm. but it's also you know where you know everything pagan that we have comes from too it's yeah. where all of it comes from everything. And, and one of the things about it being on a continuous loop and the fact that we are journey, technically it's a journey into the past mm-hmm. um, but it's the thing of being consciously aware that you know we are beings from the future of this past you know that we don't belong in this past but this is our past this is our heritage this is genetic this is in our dna and it's the fact that you know time repeats itself is another reason why it's running an infinite loop it's it's kind of plays with the concept that time repeats itself so you know we're journeyers from you know our time or the future to the past but time is continually repeating itself do you so think that's a concept that's thrown into that do you think these movements repeat themselves I think so. Like these um, musical I, movements, I, like what we're doing now, you know, uh, what, what oh, you're yeah, doing with like, you know, latex and Venus Aeon. Is this a reiteration like of? I think we have kind of a 20 year pattern in music. Um, I think um, back in the 80s, you know, it was the whole new wave thing. Um, but that was kind of the, you know, we were merging into the goth scene in, in America, at least in, you know, late 70s, early in the UK, early 80s in, in the US. Um and, and if you look, a lot of the styles and fashions that everyone was wearing in that time period in the mid-80s harkens back to the 60s, you know? So, you know, you've got, you know, the beatniks and, you know, you've got all the, the, the psychedelia and the go-go's and everything from the 60s, which was all being played out again in the 80s, but in a new way. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've done the same thing. You know, we saw... Um, 
about I guess about the same time as like the popular band No Doubt came out. Mm-hmm. Um, he started seeing like a resurgence of you know this like uh, uh, wave rock. You know what I mean? It's kind of kind of new wavy sounding, but it was rock. It wasn't synth based. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me was a strong harken back to to the eighties. You know, we ended up with you know some of the stuff that. Uh, uh, moving units and AFI and you know there's a few other bands I can't think of them right now but but there was there was a lot of this like wave rock kind of coming out at the time I did um I did a podcast featuring a lot of the artists on a uh, latex radio because that was something I was kind of seeing I'm like you know we've we've kind of got we finally got the 80s back back you know what I mean in right. music you know, we got this like new wave music, but it's it's a, a, a newer wave of and it's more rock based. But even though since they're still involved, you know, it wasn't as it, whereas in the 80s, it was, you know, synth, it was more synth heavy. And there were, you know, the guitars were there because, you know, people only knew rock music as having guitars in it before then because right. there were no, you know, so. It, it's kind of the same thing but done in a different way but that's something i think with that roughly you're on like a 20 to 25 year pattern with music i think uh musical trends kind of repeat themselves but they reinvent themselves every 20 years if that makes sense so you know yeah they reoccur but they come back in a new way you know there's always a new twist to it because during that 20 years so much has happened you know there's been all these other musical trends and you know uh, new music technology you know especially with keyboards and and, and electronic music Um, new things that people do like of course you know we've had dubstep recently you know which Mm -hmm. is even infiltrated into um, industrial you know uh, Mm -hmm. frontline assembly did the uh, the air mech compilation for the video game which incorporates dubstep in a new way than dubstep was originally being used you know it it, it's done in a different way than than how it was popularly being used so everything and that's something especially if you follow industrial music i think you see like every pop trend in electronic music always comes into industrial you know whether it's acid house techno whatever it doesn't matter it's going to affect industrial music I, i it's one of the things where you know for instance you know ebm got popular several for several years ago and still running obviously um hasn't died out but it's one of those things that you know when we had heartbeat trance in the late 80s i was going this is industrial's future you know Mm -hmm. we're gonna have this you know four four beat this kind of techno but it's going to be influenced by industrial and sure enough you know now we've got combinations of you know synth pop and techno and trance and heartbeat trance all mixed in with industrial and that's basically what ebm is now you know and of course it mix in during that time we you know discovered power noise and stuff like that so that's come into play as well so all of this you know is what ebm has become you know so that's one of the things i think you know again you know you always see a reoccurring of trends you know here we are in the the 2010s and you know heartbeat trance and techno was in the late 90s that's roughly 20 years span you know and of course it picks up everything that happened in between like that and that's how you know like power noise got involved in it you know what i mean so so you definitely see that i think you you're always going to see about a 20 to 25 year pattern of overlay you know things are going to repeat but when they come back it's going to be like completely transformed and morphed into something new and original you know and it's going to be a a quote-unquote new sound yeah you know (laughs) 
So I feel like it's getting I feel like it's getting shorter and shorter. So you're probably familiar with this, like uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Um, in one of his books, I can't remember what book, Cosmic Trigger, maybe, or, or Prometheus Probably. Rising or something, he talked about right. there's this um, – um, he, he maps like um, – he goes back in history and he talks about like uh, significant technological innovations. Um, uh-huh. And he says, you know, like from the wheel to, you know, whatever is like a thousand years. And then from that to like the Gutenberg press is like, you know, less right. amount of time. And it keeps getting less and less right. and less amount of time. What do we do when it reaches like right. zero? And so they had lots of theories in the 60s. Oh, well, our minds are going to explode or we're going to evolve well, into. McKenna with time wave zero. <laughs> right. Or this is like 2000. You know, Kubrick predict, predicted this. This is 2001 in the monolith. And we're going to like, you know, like move out of our bodies or we're going to colonize <laughs> Jupiter or something like that and of course none of that shit ever happened but it feels like music is like going like the same course like it's an exponential evolution that like and and it's and it's driven by technology too because for like you know thousands of years it's like the only people that could make music or you know you you had to be able to afford an instrument and be in an orchestra or else there's like you had folk music where you know, one one guy, you know, made a, a fiddle or a mandolin or something, and he passed it on to his children. And there's like, you know, a music maker in town and, you know, Geppetto type stuff. But, you know, there's like the evolution's like really slow. And then in the post-war world, it's like, you know, kids in, in, in Europe could, could get electric guitars and amplifiers and stuff like that. And so yeah. you had like rock and roll going. And then what yeah. I think you and I saw in our generation is, is, um, a couple of significant things. It's like the DAT player, yep. right? The DAT player came out. So, oh, you didn't have to, to make an album. You don't have to like go pay, save up thousands of dollars to pay this old baby boomer, you know, to like <laughs> you know, record you, right? You could get that, you could right. get your, your DAT tape and you could like record yourself on a VHS. And then just a right. few years later, all of a sudden that was obsolete, you know, because yep. all of a sudden there's like computer software and, you know, of course synthesizers are going along with this. And so yep. now... It's like, oh my, I mean, kids, you, you know, you get your musical instruments at Best Buy. It's so affordable. It's like as much as like people whine about the economy, it's so afford, it's so easy for just, you know, average mm. people to buy musical gear to not only write songs, but to and record you know, stuff and release it, upload it. You got it on iTunes right. in a few days. It's like it feels like music is like going through this uh, exponential evolutionary thing. And I, when I look at like music that's out there right now, I can't tell what anything is. It's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's certain yeah. genres that, okay, you know, black metal, that's like happening and, and right. you know, stuff like that. But then... Um, you know, the more you get to like mainstream genres, like what they would still sell in like the one record store in your town, it's like, <laughs> it's hard for me to tell like what the music is. It's such a fusion of stuff. And it's like, this is the thing. And then like a month later, it's like, there's going to be a different thing, you know? Well, so. and, and that's one of the things I find really interesting about like Witch House, for instance. It combines, you know, gothic, dark wave, industrial with things like, you know, rap and trap and hip hop, you know, things that usually you wouldn't think would go together, but it's just like mesh it all together and creating something new out of it and i think this has a lot to do with internet culture it's the whole thing of you know we have everything at our fingertips you know we just google it and you know yeah <laughs> so you know people can go and and download all kinds of stuff for free and check out lots of different genres of music and and so i think is what's happening is you know it used to be people were initially exposed to whatever they could hear on the radio mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
So whatever channel they tuned into kind of started to form their taste. You know, maybe it was family influence or friend influence, whereas now it's like people can go online and they can look at a lot of stuff. So people's uh, musical influences are a much broader range of of genres and styles and techniques and everything else and so that alone i think is is starting to create artists that now are producing music that is combining a lot of different things in new ways that you know you wouldn't necessarily normally think of doing yeah and so i think that that in itself is producing a lot of new and interesting music and we're still just we're just on the cusp of it we're just seeing the tip of it yeah. you know it, it has gotten there yet we're st- it's still new you yeah. know so yeah, and, 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 and and that's what music is, you know? That's what music yeah. is to me. It's like the combining of, like, influences that's out there. I mean, yeah. that's what all great artists do. They combine the influences that are already there. They combine it in a creative way and in a meaningful way. And what yeah. makes it unique is they add their own unique essence to it. Yep. You know, yep. uh, the the KLF in the, in the manual used to talk about this. They talked about what makes <laughs> it – there's only, like, so many notes – you know, yeah. um, and everything's like really been done. But what makes it uh, unique is like the essence that the artist adds to it. And they predicted yeah. that one day someone will there'll be a hit song and it'll be just a kick drum. And then <laughs> and it'll be a hit song. And then like a little bit later, someone else will release another song. It'll be the same thing. It'll just be a four to the floor kick drum. But people will be able to tell the difference. Because whoever right. recorded it, they added their own right. essence to it. <laughs> that would be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can definitely, you, to me personally, like I, I definitely find uh, with a, a lot of the musicians that I communicate with and a lot of the different people that I hear, there are definitely artists that you can tell that these individuals really pour themselves into their music because you kind of feel them in it. And, and, you know, even if there are certain similarities to their music to other things, it's very specifically them, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's one of the intense things about music is that no matter what the, the influences are and no matter what the, the trends are, there's always a uniqueness to it. There's always a newness to it because there's always right. this, this uh, innovation and discovery. So is there any um, bands that are out there, like, like uh, what would you call like mainstream type things um, that you've been watching that you think are worthy of note or I don't interesting? Know about- Stream, um, but uh, we'll shoot. Uh, <laughs> Alex Reed, who uh, uh, wrote one of one of our main industrial manuals, uh, <laughs> uh, he basically wrote like a, a history on industrial music. Um, he just literally last week introduced me to a uh, Drab Majesty, which is just fucking amazing. Um, and of course. Uh, uh, in which house I, I definitely think uh, Sidewalks and Skeletons is one of the bands that's kind of at the forefront of that, in my personal opinion. Um, uh, I I really liked uh, Fraunhofer Diffraction, also uh, kind of more like Industrial Witch House, um, but he's he's already completely changed his sound. <laughs> um, so uh, he's he's like doing a completely new genre now, um, and and that's the other thing too is is uh, and I think that's probably another thing with the internet is uh, usually 
what I would see in the past is a, a musician would go through a slow transition of trying to find their own identity identity and their own sound in music and they would kind of you know play with ideas and they would slowly progress and advance in their skill level and so their sound would would slowly change with that progression what i'm seeing now with the internet especially because you know we have you know people can just use software and make just about anything is uh one of the ways that musicians are learning how to create new music is they hear something and the first thing they want to do is can i copy that mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like okay well i hear this genre i hear this sound and i like this thing so can i copy it and mm -hmm. so they they kind of you know it's it's mimicry initially and so they play around with that and then they kind of put their own thing in it and they create something very interesting out of it. And then they get bored really fast and they just go, well, now there's this completely different genre and different sound. Can I do that? You know, and I think it's just, uh, um, you know, testing their own skill. It's kind of like, you know, uh, maybe, you know, a rock and roll guitarist going, hey, I just discovered blues, you know, oh, yeah. let me do this. And can I do this and how, and how, you know, what are the different, uh, uh, string techniques and things like that, you know, what are the different finger techniques and, and how does it differ, you know, and then they learn that and they learn that skill and then they kind of move on to something else until eventually they find their new sound. Well, because of the, the, the music being electronic and very software based, I think, you know, the, the same thing is happening, but in a very different way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That transition is happening in, in a very different way. And that skill level is being, being built by, you know, jumping from genre to genre to genre until they eventually go, okay, this is me and this is what I'm going to do. And, and they take everything they've learned and put it together. Yeah. You know? You know. And I think that's why we're finding some of the best artists have, you know, a really interesting mixture of of certain elements that you can tell that they've been influenced by and, and pull which I mean, granted, has always been the thing, but it's it's very different now because you're you're seeing elements that norm like we discussed earlier, normally you would never see these elements combined. Right. You know, and you're a lot of things combined, you know, like, you know, gothic and trap. Who would ever think to put goth music and trap together? But that's exactly what Witch House does. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> no, that's like, it's, I think you bring up a lot of really good points. So, so first of all, the whole thing with, with, with mimicry, I mean, that's the basis of musicianship. That's how musicians become good yeah. is by imitating other exactly. people. And it's probably every, anything, any sort of craft you know, that anything you can talk about that you can become, uh, that you can attain mastery in is something that you start out right. imitating, just imi trying right. to imitate perfectly, imitate and, other people. And as a musician, if you're trying to learn how to play an instrument, what are you going to do? You're going to play a cover of somebody else's song. Right. You know, and the, and the more you can, quote unquote, get it right. Right. You know what I mean? Which right. basically the more you can sound like the original, then the better job you did. Yeah. You know, as, as a, you know, new musician trying to you know like a, a teenager in school of rock you know what i mean right that, that's really what they're trying to do they're trying to sound as much like the artist that they're mimicking and that in itself is its own skill level and a lot of people don't realize that you know and of course you know later on you know then you can take that and transform it into something else which is why when it comes to cover songs one of the things i personally am very drawn to and that i really love is when an artist can take someone else's song and when they record 
re-record it. It doesn't sound like the original. It sounds like them. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So they've right. completely transformed that song. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's a really good cover song. You're, yeah. you're not just copying the artist. You've completely transformed it at that point. Oh, yeah. And to, and to me, that's that's a whole nother skill level, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. No, covers are, like, awesome. You know, I would love to do – the problem with covers is you get to releasing it. When you get to the release thing, yeah. I know we've t- we talked about – I know yeah, you and I have yeah, had this yeah, conversation yeah. before many times. Um, yeah, the only reason Latex Records hasn't done, like, a covers or a tribute compilation is because all the copyright issues. All the intellectual and- copyright bullshit, man. Yeah. You know, with us DIY and and not really making, you know, nothing on what we're doing, you know, we're just out there doing it because we love it. You know, it's kind of hard for a lot of people to put that money up front. And and it's not a lot of money. One song, it can, you know, it can get casual, you know, if they're doing this all the time, you know. Right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, on on that note, remember that we've got. You know, Asmodeus X does have a Liebach song that we practiced on really good. Like Vasquez, like, um, right. like, like programmed the whole thing. Um, what song is it? It's that nuclear riders and only I can't remember the name of it right now. But I mean, it's sitting there waiting. We'll figure it out someday. We, you know, if we have an opportunity to release it. But um, and I'm still gonna hold you to uh, doing a uh, Flex Eagles cover. Oh yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> that's in there too. I still want to hear Asmodeus X do something like "You Can Run." You know. Oh yeah, I want to hear it too. I think it can happen. And you know, I, I I think you you have the crowning achievement in 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 my experience of this because you managed to actually get a hold of Genesis Peorage and get his permission yeah. for us to yeah. do Roman P <laughs> on uh, on the album Boarding Star. And I consider yeah. that an amazing that's an amazing yeah. trophy in my opinion. It's like I still don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't I don't know how it happened either. You know, so, sometimes things fall together. You know, yeah. <laughs> Totally. Sometimes it's just luck of the draw, catching people at the right time, or you know, getting them when they they actually actually will respond to a message or email, and they're not too busy. Yeah, you know. But you know, getting getting back to the mimicry, getting back to the mimicry thing for a minute. So so I think that that's like one part of it. And you know what? Nowadays there's like you know there's like you know kids who are like you know they're playing the guitar or the drums or whatever, and they're just so amazing and so incredibly good. It just makes me go, oh god, I really fucked up. You know, I should have like I should have like practiced more because I never stuck with any instrument. I kept bouncing around to different instruments and whatnot. But what one of the things that the technology does. When you're talking about the electronics on it and the production values, it allows individuals to become producers, to basically take on that role of of a producer, which back in the day, that was limited by technology and space and money. So only a few people, you you know, could do that. And you've got your amazing God, you know, Phil Spector, like producers (laughs) and stuff like that. But now anyone on their computer can be acting as a producer because what that means having all that technology in front of you is you can take in, you know, loops and pieces and sequences and just start assembling them and moving them around and stuff like that. Yeah, and that that's definitely a, a huge part of I think what's changing music today is the fact that you know a lot of individual musicians are their own producers, and a lot of them will not give up that control to anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and 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 granted there are some cases where it would be in their benefit to to go to someone who do who does you know professional mixing and mastering and have that done because i think that there's a learning experience in that as well um and sometimes you know they can do it on their own and it's and it's fucking amazing you know Mm -hmm. but but unfortunately, I think a lot of times, you know, people get so used to having that control and unwilling to let go of it that it can also hold artists back. So it's one of those things that sometimes it definitely works in their benefit for them to have complete control over all of it. But then in some cases, I think it holds some artists back as well because they're afraid to let it go and be able to learn from what someone else who focuses on just that aspect so you know they they have more experience in that one thing and they could actually learn from that i think so it kind of goes both ways and that's you know that's something that you know you're always going to see with different artists especially with electronic music and you know people doing a lot of software based stuff and things like that you know and people just doing music in home you know recording in home studios and stuff like that which is pretty much the majority of alternative music now you know almost nobody really goes into a studio anymore you know it's all home you know so that's definitely a big change yeah no i know it's like definitely true like i've i've gotten like you know from you know there's like a couple of main studios in houston I've, i've i've gotten like you know spam from them you know they're they're, right. they're reaching out trying to get people to like come in and stuff like that right. you know? they're like looking for business whereas back in the day right. they like oh they had all the business in in this yep. town you know and it's like yep. now well why is someone gonna do that you know right. um everyone sets up their own home studio for you know you know pretty much you know comparable to the cost of what you would pay i mean it's just insane right. like how much it costs to go to the studio i remember the, like the first like time you know, um, with, with Morphine Angel, we went to, like, get a demo tape done, and we paid some people to do it at a local studio and stuff like that. We had to get together, like, $1,000 for this, you know? And, right. I mean, I'm talking, like, this is, like, 1991 or something. I mean, no one had $1,000 laying around back then, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, with independent music, you know, artists are going to try and cut costs wherever they can, you know, and who can blame them? I mean, it's the nature of the beast. You're not making money yet. You know, when you're an independent artist and, you know, you're you're not, you know, some top 40 artist who's, you know, filling arenas, you know, you're still trying to get people to hear your music. You know, you're maybe doing small venues here and there. You know, you might be lucky enough to get outside of, you know, your local three to five states and actually get out somewhere else in the country or maybe if you're really lucky you actually get to go overseas but you're still independent you know what i mean and and it's still limited so you know everyone's got to cut cost and that's another reason why i think it's become such a a popularized thing is because the technology's there the technology's cheap you know we can actually you know do that without having to you know pay thousands of dollars to to someone to go into a studio yeah you know no that's one of the great things is one of the liberating things about technology and where we are right now exactly yep part of uh it's part of i think uh, a lot of us couldn't do what we do if if we had to rely on paying the studios because we couldn't afford them right you know know, a you couldn't afford it and after you've done it a few times you realize that a lot of times you're getting taken you know 
like for for young artists out there I mean, there's and, a lot of I, there's a lot of sharks yeah. out there who are like, oh yeah, we're a management. I mean, there used to be all these things around, you know, back in the day when 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 we were getting started. They're like, yeah, we're a, we're a professional management company, and just you just pay us like two thousand dollars up front, and then we'll make well, you a rock well, star. One, one of the first things I started seeing um, back when I was running the e-zine was it seemed like there were lots of uh, music industry companies that their entire business model was literally based on doing nothing more than selling you information because there's people you know you're you're a new artist you don't know how things work you don't know where to start you don't know how to do things and then you've got this person going hey you you know give me a few hundred dollars and I'll you know give you everything you need and basically all they did is sell them information granted it's helpful but you've paid hundreds of dollars for something you that now you can just google and find out yeah you know you know the thing those kind of people too who are just taking people left and right right no they're hucksters you know and 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 the thing that is so evil about this to me is that you know musicians are that there's one very vulnerable aspect. Every musician has a very vulnerable aspect of their personality, and and it is the fact that they want their music to be liked by people. They want their music to yeah. be listened to, and what they and they often don't realize this consciously. But this puts you in a very yeah. vulnerable yeah. position because anyone yeah. can come up to you and say, "Oh yeah, you're great. No, you're the best. <laughs> you just I need to get you to the right people, and and that's going to cost some money." And so. In my, in my- my response to that is one statement. The ego is not your friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it really is. You know, this goes back to the Jungian concepts that we were talking about. You know, uh-huh. the, uh, the ego can come into play in a lot of different ways. Sometimes, you know, it's that guy who's being a total diva at events and, and at his shows, you know, who wants everything run his way and wants everyone to treat him like a princess, yeah. you know. And that's the obvious one. But then there's there's the other side of it, which is exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's that whole thing of everyone wants to be liked. Yeah. You know, we all, we all have a desperate need to be loved and liked by others. We want to be admired. You know, if we do something creative and artistic, we want people to like it. Mm-hmm. And, and some people are genuinely wounded if if it's not liked yeah you know but i think you know the the attitude that a real artist has to have is that they're doing it for themselves yeah they can't really be doing it for an audience once you do it for an audience you've already watered it down yeah you know and i and i think that that's the thing you know and, and again it's that it's that thing where you know the ego comes into play you know it's that whole thing of you know the the need for positive feedback you know and if you have to have it to survive and to continue and you don't get it then you're not going to make it yeah you know so but if you if you just continue anyway and yeah. you say fuck doing my own thing i don't give a fuck right. then Eventually, you know, again, like attracts like, you know, something's going to happen. People are going to see it. Someone's going to pick up on it. And and the people who are drawn to it will find it. And then eventually it'll 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 find its place, you know. And that's what happens. I mean, you know, you see like bands that have been touring for a while. They get this uh, desensitization uh, to things somewhat, you know. And, you know, I can say like, you know, by the end of the 90s, after I'd been like, you know, touring with like Morphine Angel and stuff for 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 a good long while, better part of that decade, it, it after you know by by the time we got to the end, it just felt like you know these last you know this last five years has just been one constant 
fighting against one, you know, uh, vampire after another, a psychic vampire. I mean, you know, vampires yeah, in a bad right, sense right. of the room. You know, right. Anton LaVey had this idea of psychic vampires or parasitic, you know, people. And you just, all these parasitic people, when you're like doing stuff like this, you're out there, you know, you're, you're, you're on stage and stuff and you're the center of attention and it just attracts all these like parasites to you and all these people are like oh i'm gonna do this for you i'm gonna do that for you you know i'll be your yeah. manager and at the time it's like yeah. web websites are coming out like i'll do a website for you yeah i do there's all the there used to be all these yeah. people around who are like i know how to do websites you know and <laughs> well you know, and, that's, I, and that's the thing is when you're up and coming that's the first thing that happens you know mm -hmm. and, and it's because i think you know you already have an energetic level of need Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you need something. You're, you're trying to figure it out. You're kind of stumbling in the dark and you end up attracting, you know, the parasites. You attract the sharks. You attract, you know, the, the people who are trying to, you know, wave the carrot in your face so that they can take what, what you got, you know. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's someone trying to say, hey, man, I can do your logo for you if you pay me $500 and giving you some cheap shit that isn't worth it, mm -hmm. you know. Or it can be, you know, someone saying, hey, I can produce or I can remix this for you or whatever. A lot of times, you know, you, you get all these people who are trying to sell you a service or sell you information or something. And and it's one of those things that anytime um, I run into someone who is, is new in the industry, I always tell them, you know, before you make a decision, it may sound great. Before you make a decision, talk to other people that you've met in the industry and ask them if they know this individual. Do they know this person? Are their services valid? Is it worth it? You know, is is this, you know, is what they're charging you really valid based on the service? You yeah. know, and because a lot of times you'll find out. You know, you you ask around, you know, ten people, you know, and you might find five people who are like, yeah, we've run into that guy, and he's, you know, kind of a douche, and he's taken a lot of people. You know, right. Um, that recently happened to, to one of my friends here in Atlanta who is, uh, you know, starting his own music project. You know, he ran into some stuff with some people who were trying to sell him services and turned out, you know, he didn't ask anybody and he ended up getting taken. And yeah. sure enough, I'm like, yep, I ran into that guy, too. I, I had some issues, too. Yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things you're always uh, you always got to be on the lookout for and and again that was one of the things that, that you know this was this topic right here is something that came up every time I had a conversation with a musician when I was running the e-zine mm -hmm. and that was why I decided to start a record label because I was like you know there's too many fucking sharks in the industry there's too many people who are you know trying to lie steal manipulate you know and just just use people to 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 feed off of them to get what they can from them and I on the other hand my attitude is you know I, I like I don't I don't care if my label goes anywhere I'm not, I'm not out here trying to be popular I'm not trying to be you know the next popular you know uh, uh, a record label that has you know the 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 largest number of you know club scene bands I don't care about that you know I'm, I'm here because I want to meet musicians who are really the creative individuals and yeah. who really want to do art for art. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and so I avoid the divas and the egos and all that as much as I possibly can. And, and I try to give people heads up if I run into stuff. Um, and I try to, you know, 
try to do my best to work well with others, you know, and, and try to create a sense of community and bring it all together so that, you know, together we can hopefully put something out that maybe it might attract some attention. And if it ever does, you know, if we ever reach a level of actually attracting enough attention, then maybe we all benefit from it, yeah. you know? And if we don't, then hopefully we enjoy what we're doing and, and we feel like we've done something positive along the way. And at the very least, we have experiences like you and I have had, you know, we've become really good, close friends through all of this, you know, I, and, and we've become like brothers, you know, we're like family now, Word. you know, and, and, and that's, that's really, uh, to me, that's the goal, you know, is, is just to help each other out and, and to have fun doing it. You know? No, you're so right. And, and it's like, you know, part of that for me was like getting over that. I think everyone who gets into music initially, you have like the the myth. There's the myth of the rock star, yeah. right? Yeah. Like every movie that's about a, about like a, a rock band ends like this, right? It ends with like you know about thirty minutes before the end of the band, they have a big fight, you know, and they think the band's gonna break up. Then they get back together and they play yeah. the show, and that's where the show and that's where the movie ends with one yeah. last show. And it's like yeah. that's what it's all about. And then they're all rich and, 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 and happy yeah. after that, <laughs> you know. And they're all rich. It, it, it's like you know you got to get over that and so when, yeah. when for me like with uh, the breakup of morphine angel which was like 98 99 you know wherever in there um that, that that was like you know i was definitely over that myth and when i started doing building up uh, asmodeus x and getting that going on my attitude then was that you know you know what i'm not looking to make it i'm not looking to be a rock star i'm doing something else and I'm not sure what that is. I can't totally define it, but I'm, 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 I'm working with something and I'm doing something that I need to do. And, you know, I'm just going to connect with who I want to connect with. Yep. And, 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 and this is what I think people who are successful. That this is what they do in some way or another is they turn it around. Basically, instead of trying to attract, you know, all the, you know, stand here doing this and, and attracting all these influences. Well, you start deciding who yep. you want to connect with. You decide yep. who you want to do your, yep. you know, do the website or do the, you know, do the artwork and, and, and yep. all of this kind of thing. And, and, yep. you know, I went through a period where, well, I, with, uh, we, we, we ran into, uh, you know, one, uh, St. Thomas records, you know, some fucking bullshit like that. Uh, <laughs> didn't go anywhere. I, I have no problem saying that right now that that was like all bullshit. <laughs> um, but you know, then when you and I connected, it was like really obvious that, you know, you were someone that wasn't going to like fuck us over, you know, right. and, and, and because we had this like long period of like conversation and I could see <laughs> that you had a vision yeah. and that right there, if you meet someone and someone else has a, they have a vision, they have yep. a, you know, or, you know, Alistair Crowley would talk about true will, you know, they have their own will, they have their own path yep. in the universe that they're pursuing. Well, that means that you can trust this person. You know, and if your paths are going in a similar direction, that's awesome. If you're going to, you know, connect right. and, and collaborate, that's awesome. But if they have their own path already, then to me, that's a, that's a statement that, well, this is like a real person. They're substantial. They're not like a fake right. vampire right. that's just going to try and like suck off on you. You know? Yeah, they're not just trying to appease everybody. They're they're they've got their own thing in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on back there? Gosh, I I, I mean the uh, people um, who are just hearing this, like on the video, we can see a little bit of. Uh, it looks like uh, if you can see. Hang on, let me. Yeah, I see. I see candles. Yeah. 
I see uh, Hada Pixie here is like doing some witchcraft stuff. There's candel- candelabras. Yeah, she's like looks very wicked and, and sexy. She's and the then there's more of, of what's actually going on here. <laughs> there's there's skulls coming. There's skulls. It looks like there could be yeah, some kind a, of a, 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 a cauldron with a dry ice in it. <laughs> oh, sweet. Might have saw a little bit of that from the mirror earlier. But, yeah. So. <laughs> Setting up for another scene, I guess. Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about Venus Venus Aeon. Let's talk about like this modeling stuff and 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 photography stuff that you've gotten involved with. What's that all about? Um. <laughs> well, basically, um, with uh, Venus Aeon, um, when when I started it, of course, as we said, it it was kind of a new vision um, before bringing uh, Latex Records back from hiatus. Um, but of course with, you know, my new partnership with other pixie, um, being that, you know, with her being both a, a, a model and a photographer and you know, primarily a model and, um, us knowing other models and photographers in the local area here in Atlanta. Um, it's one of those things that I, I kind of wanted to do with latex records before, but I didn't have the means to do it cause I didn't have the resources. I didn't, I didn't know people, you know, I was domestic at the time. And didn't really get out and know people. Um, but now it's one of those things where, you know, taking um, the, 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 the skills that these other people have and being able to combine, you know, all of our talents and so that we can actually uh, create – you know, images for the CDs and everything and, uh, and do things, you know, based on our themes, you know, we can actually create our own, uh, uh, CD artwork and all that stuff. So, which is another thing, like I'm, I'm doing like, you know, most of the CD layouts and, and doing the CD artwork and stuff now too myself, which I wasn't doing before. Um, but I kind of got drafted with uh, primal river Valley, um, uh, uh, the the artwork was done but the cd needed to be laid out and and the person who was going to do that for me got busy had to go on tour so i was like i need to learn how to do this so i had to suddenly figure out how to put the pieces together and get it ready for print um and then when amul nine came around um it was like hey you know we have all these images but we just need it put together and i was like yeah screw it i can do it i've done it once you know so that that's kind of how it started i is just realizing I can do this and again it goes back to what we were saying about being independent you know you're going to cut cost anywhere you can um, and it's one of the things that I found that I really enjoy doing is I actually like sitting there you know and, and trying to put the graphical pieces together and figure out the CD layout and everything um, so with Venus Aeon basically you know with our friends who are photographers and models and stuff we're actually um, going in and planning photo shoots which since we're talking about this if you can see there's the, <laughs> the oh yeah ice. you got the dry ice going yeah so you can actually see it oh my god that's so badass yeah that is so, so. wicked that's awesome um, 
and and this one isn't a uh, this is not a uh, Venus Aeon shoot, but God, it could be, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, basically, you know, we come up with the themes and then we come up with the concepts of what to shoot. And so, you know, we get together with our friends and you know, who are, you know, like I said, you know, professional photographers and models. And we, you know, pull it together and say, OK, well, we're going to shoot this idea. And then after we have that, then we take the images and figure out how we're going to edit them and how we're going to lay it out and everything else. And so it, we're pulling all of this stuff together. Um and while we're on the topic, let me go grab some. Oh, it's actually by me. Hang on. Let me see if I can uh, grab this and show you. Um, let's see. Okay, so I have the Vampire CD. It's kind of dark, I guess. A little bit in here. It's kind of hard to see. Um, but this is the Vampire CD from Venus Aeon. Uh-huh. And I'm going to open it up here. Kind of hard to do one-handed because <laughs> i'm holding my cell phone to uh, do the video here okay so we've got when i pull the inlay out and i don't know if it's bright enough for you to see kind of hard to see yeah we can kind of uh, see it anyway, there's a cover and then of course we've got the artwork in artwork inside and of course we actually have a nude centerfold all right <laughs> vampires right that's what i'm talking about <laughs> And uh, so basically is what this uh, this one came about um, because uh, Pixie was shooting with a photographer in New Orleans, Louisiana, and he wanted to do a, a, a vampire themed book based on his erotic photography. So he was he's an erotic photographer in New Orleans and he was, you know, shooting with a bunch of different people and um when he shot with Pixie, he decided he wanted her to be like his head vampire for his, his book project. And so while he was doing this, this was also during, you know, I had, uh, had Venus Aeon started and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do a vampire themed compilation, you know, mm -hmm. even back when just running latex records, I wanted to do that. And I was like, this is perfect. Like it. And so I talked to the photographer and got the permission to use his images to create the CD layout with as well. So, um, you know, the book has a, a lot of different images than are in the CD. Some of them are the same, most of them are different. It's got a lot more uh, images in there. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, Pixie does jewelry, um, which we talked about. Well, we didn't talk about that, but, but it's been mentioned. And I don't know if you can see on me, I'm wearing like a rosary oh, yeah. necklace. That's um, the uh, Venus, Venus Aeon logo, right? Aeon logo and on the back it says Venus Aeon um, so awesome. uh, basically you know since she was doing that as well she uh, we you know uh, put together a, uh, a vampire rosary as well wow. so basically is what we did oh she's <laughs> she's bringing to me it's a it's a brimstone rosary hang on let me see if I can if you can see it here and this is the uh, the red sigil Baphomet. <laughs> if you can see that flickering around, yeah, that's the uh, that's the alchemical symbol, uh, alchemical yes. symbol of fire and brimstone. Oh. That's the king diamond. That's the king diamond symbol. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the sulfur symbol. So, but that in a, in that pendant is created by um, Sigil of Aphomay. Oh, um, awesome. He also helped me create the uh, Venus Aeon pendants. Oh wow. Um, 
so they're yeah they're like you know that that like high quality stainless steel so they're not gonna rust they're they're, they're pretty good they're they've got a nice weight to them <laughs> Excellent. but um but anyway so we we you know we pulled all this we've and and is what we we're doing is we we're trying to create something that you know of course interesting but uh, you know that would also kind of cross promote you know right so we had this photographer who's trying to promote his artwork his his photography and of course you know pixie being a model she's in it and then she's got her jewelry so we did a vampire rosary to go along with that and then the vampire the two disc vampire cd um on venus aeon to go along with that as well which um actually combines you know a, a lot of stuff from industrial and witch house and and shows how those genres actually work really well together oh yeah <laughs> like, something that, that I haven't really seen anyone pull together in, in a compilation. Usually like all the witch house compilations are just, you know, very witch house, you know, and there's, there's, there's none of the, the, the goth industrial scene specifically represented though. Some of the artists might kind of bring that into their, their, their skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but the, this, this was one of the things that I guess kind of really, um, set in stone for me that I'm like, well, this is what we need to be doing. You know, we need to be combining our talents and, and building these, these products together, you know, building these, these things so that, you know, all of it just kind of comes together as yeah. one thing. You know? now, I, and, I, and that's what we've been doing since. I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and, and that's like the, the basis of the origins of music because, you know, I've, I've been reading this book about uh, Pythagoras. Uh-huh. And, and and Pythagoras, you know, he created, you know, he invented math, a bunch of other stuff like that. But he invented he invented music. You know, they talk about this in this book, how he discovered scales. And it's like, you know, I, I guess this happened enough other people wrote about it that it's considered, no, this is it. This is where this this guy like invented music, right? He invented or he right. discovered the scale. Right, he, right. People were playing music, but it was like you know, kind of like, I don't know, I guess more random, but he discovered, no, there's this mathematic thing with like scales and here's how you can play chords. And it's always going to sound this way. And he had a total, uh, he, this was discovered within the context of a spiritual school, right? Pythagoras was like, you brought in people and you study with Pythagoras and they go, they separate from society and they sit around and it's like all like spiritual and everything he was discovering with like the scale and everything, he said that this connected with the cosmos. This relates to the cosmos, right? So uh, it's very deep, very esoteric, very cosmic, and it's the basis of music. And it's the same fucking music that we listen to right yeah. now. So when people yeah. are like, oh no, music is just some, you know, dang a dang dang, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> Those people are wrong. Those people right. are wrong about it. No, it is really deep. And I've always felt that um i mean music is one of the most uh the the closest examples of magic i consider that that we have by us because it's just amazing some guys some people get together and they just do some stuff that creates these tones that creates vibrations and it changes right. it changes people you know it changes people you make millions of people sing along with something and be happy for a minute yep. or else like yep. get sad for a minute you know, yep. it's 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 really an amazing thing. So I don't think it's odd at all to like take these deep esoteric ideas like you're working with and say, you know, no, this 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 works right with music. It works right yep. alongside with it. it makes perfect sense to me. 
powerful tool yeah yeah and and to me too like i see everything as being you know frequency and vibration you know <laughs> it's right. like that's what it comes down to and it's definitely very connected to esoteric principles <clears throat> but but yeah it's it's definitely a powerful tool so have you heard about the black-eyed kids <laughs> the what <laughs> I got to ask about this. No, this is the latest like conspiracy thing that's going on out there. The, the black-eyed kids. So you got to look this up next time you have a chance. Look this up on YouTube. So there's all this YouTube stuff about the black-eyed kids. And it's like these like it's it's you know have you ever seen the movie Village of the Damned? Yes. Okay. So it's like it's like that. No, it's like that. Like some kids like show, there's people reporting that like some kids like show or every time they drive home, you know, it's and it's always people that live like kind of like out in little wooded areas. Every time they drive home, they see these like kids with, you know, black eyes standing by the road and then they they get out and look and then they're gone. Or else they come up to their house at night and stand outside. And there's some videos on, on YouTube of people showing this that they're seeing these black eyed kids like, you know, coming up and stuff. And and then some people report that it's um, that then the, the black eyed kids hang around for a little while and then um, some MIBs like show up men in black show up and take the kids away and they go away so it's totally a, a, it's a it's a it's an elaboration or an innovation on the um, men in black right um, that's funny conspiracy theory it's not interesting that's funny so you gotta look for you gotta look for it i don't i don't know why i thought that might be uh, interesting so something random to throw in there right so um what about um i so i i saw you in person a few months ago in december in uh-huh. in tampa right yeah so oh my what, god yeah so what did you think about all that man <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was great <laughs> that was really fun yeah i i couldn't believe that a uh, hellfire club got to be, got back just just one show but yeah that was fun <laughs> no that was like a really a good, really amazing yeah, thing um so i mean so everyone who doesn't who's listening to this who doesn't know already this was like the electric hellfire club did a reunion show in uh wybor city which is in tampa right it's tampa yeah, Ebor. Yeah, Ebor, Ebor City. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Asmodeus X was uh, invited to open the show, which we were very honored to do, and it, and it rocked really hard. And like TG came out, and there was like so many people there, and it was just amazing seeing this many people like uh, given the sign of the horns and everything like that. So, yeah, that was a late night. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely a late night and definitely totally worth it. And uh, uh, who is the who is the guy that we're hanging out with? Um, now I can't remember his name. It's been so long. It's like if you'd asked me months ago, I would remember it. Now I can't remember his name now. Oh, my God. It was crazy. The guy that looked like the devil himself? Yes. He looked like, like the Carney version of the devil himself. Yes. That was it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> Yeah. So that was like pretty amazing. And that's like the only, so I've only like met you in person like twice, right? Yep. Twice. And the yeah, other. Once in Houston, once in Tampa. Yeah. So but we've known each other for how many years now? Like I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like oh. <laughs> 2004. So that's like what? 13, 13 years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. cool. 
a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about um, what do you think about Ariana Grande and this Manchester thing? Oh, Did you hear God. about that? <laughs> Man, you know, and it's just one of those things where, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we, you know, we're, we're going to have this kind of shit happen. And, you know, it, 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 it not only sucks that it was a music venue, but to me, the, the worst thing about it was that most of the victims were not even just teenagers but small children yeah like that that to me is the, the worst about the whole thing is yeah. you know that it was just a bunch of young kids just trying to have fun you know and one one of the things i was thinking after that happened was um you know if groups like that want to ensure the their their that they come to a final end in the future then attacking teenagers is the way to do it because basically as a teen you fuck with somebody as a teen i think you've made an enemy for life mm-hmm. you know and 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 i know at least our generation you know with with the whole punk thing going on you know i i think if I had, you know, friends who had been exposed to that and died in that, I would, I would definitely be like on a war path, you know. So, I, I think that it works against them, and I think that the more that these kind of attacks become a, as commonplace as they've kind of been becoming in some places, especially overseas, yeah. um, I, I think instead of actually having the effect that they want. I don't think people are going to be afraid. I think instead people are going to find solidarity and people are going to come together and help each other out. And people are going to lose the fear and, and realize that something just needs to be done to eliminate it. You know, I, I don't think that it's something that is like really going to have anything near the desired effect that they want that you know they want everyone to cow down and go oh my god i can't believe this happened and it's so terrible and there's nothing we can do and we're so helpless and i just i i'm sorry americans aren't that way europeans aren't that way mm-hmm. you know we you know when it, <laughs> americans pretty much have 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 you know sometimes the the stupid attitude when it comes to fight or flight we're we're definitely going to fight you know <laughs> so right. you know i i don't think it's going to get them anywhere to to try those kind of tactics and to keep doing that stuff so i mean that's that's pretty much my my main take on it um and of, and of course it's definitely horrifying it's tragic it's heartbreaking but I think the end result is that people are just going to go, you know what, fuck you, we ain't going to take this shit anymore, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. So, you know, I hope so, and and, and and I agree with you, and it feels like, um, you know, before, like, um, okay, so when 9-11 happened, when that shit all happened, I remember sitting around with um, with Gary, who is the first guitar, the guitarist in, in Asmodeus X who, right, um, right. on, on Wolf Age, who like passed away right. and he wasn't around anymore when we, when we got together and did like Morningstar. And I remember like sitting around in the kitchen, like right after that happened and we're like, you know, drinking some beers and it's like, you know, we were like also like, you know, apocalyptic, you know, back in the nineties, everyone was so apocalyptic about everything. 
And, right. And we're sitting there talking about it. It was like, you know, really, we've been living in a golden age. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, you, you stop and you wonder these things, you know, because yep. like, I mean, right after all this happened, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, wow, like America's like gearing up for war. Right. Yep. And it's like, you know what? It's like I, I start to get the feeling that we've actually been living in a golden age and now we're going into the dark ages. Now yep. we're going back into the dark ages. We made such a big deal of the night. Oh, yeah, we're going back to the dark ages. But really, everything was awesome, you know, and the economy was great. And yep. there was like, you know, whatever war was going on with Bosnia and, 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 you know, other shit like that was like so like fucking removed from everything that we didn't realize it. I mean, in reality, it was probably the, the same bullshit like going on. But it's like that shit happened and it's just been constant. It's just been a constant. Yeah. I mean, when was that? Like 2002 or, or something? Yeah. And yeah, that was the that was the same year that uh, Latex Records started. Um, Latex started in March and 9-11 happened in September. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I even remember my, my son was one year old and uh, I remember um, just kind of sitting there thinking, you know, did I do the wrong thing bringing another human into this world, you know, right. <laughs> you know not knowing what he's going to deal with in the future, you know, and, you know, things, yeah, things have definitely gotten much worse, yeah. you know since then so yeah who knows <laughs> who knows do you think that we can make things better of course i always think that that things can change I no i mean you and me i mean you and me oh. you, you doing music and and and, and wow. me like bringing up things you know you know what i'm saying oh, is, is, with our talents and skills <laughs> can we can with our talents and our skill set and our resources can we make the world a slightly better place can we work towards that you know i i think i think it definitely art in any form can make the world a better place um the world without art would be a world i would not want to live in um but i don't think that you know making music is going to end terrorism you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think what it really comes down to is each of us as an individual not only has to speak our minds and stand up for what we believe in, you know, make a, make a stand where it counts. We got it. And it's, and it's just like everything else. You, you know, you got to pick your battles, you know, mm -hmm. you got to choose your battles wisely. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, just like for instance, uh, kind of related to this, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, turmoil socially, especially um, in the past few years. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, we have the, the, the great orange idiot in the fucking White House, you know. So uh, I really think that the only thing anyone can do is, you know, to try to make a difference with every interaction that you have with everyone else at every time you know to to try to do the best that you can and to be there for other people and and to try to make a difference and it's it's i don't know i guess maybe it's kind of that whole thing of you know there's always going to be assholes in the world but as long as you know decent people stick together then the assholes uh, reach and and effect is kind of limited you know yeah it's when it's when we sit back and become apathetic and we don't speak up or we don't stand up or we don't act um and we just think everything's fine is when things get worse and i actually 
actually think that that's how we ended up where we are today, you know, is because I think a lot of us, you know, myself included, you know, was was guilty of thinking, you know, hey, you know, we made so much headway with our generation and we've, you know, overcome all these, you know, social issues. We've, you know, shown that, you know, things can be different. And you kind of thought that the next generation would just kind of pick up the torch and keep running with it, right. you know. Knowing that, you know, you can only do so much in your lifetime. You know you didn't solve anything. You know what I mean? But you at least feel like, you know, maybe we made a lot of headway, you know. And I think right now is what we're seeing, especially with a lot of the uh, social turmoil going on in the industrial music scene today, is that this younger generation has no elders because the elders – you know, ourselves included being guilty have kind of like, you know, we've kind of, you know, either we've become domesticated or we're kind of focused on our own thing, but we're not actually playing the role of the elder and actually trying to take the the, 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 the baby bats and say, hey, you know, this is why we did what we did. This is what our experiences were. And this is how we handled these situations so that they can learn from it. And, and go forward with the things that they're dealing with, you know. Um, instead, we've had a lot of, you know, uh, snobby elitism and stuff like that in, in the golf scene. And and one and it's one of the things that I've always been really aggravated with is when I see especially people from my own generation who have that attitude of, you know, the baby bats come in and all they want to do is make fun of them until they're not comfortable and they never come back, you know, mm-hmm. because the elder goths are like, this is our scene. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You know, you, how many years do you have left? Do you want your scene to carry forward? You know, why, why aren't you taking these people and going, hey, you're into what I'm into. We can be friends. That's cool. You know, right. we we share interest, you know, why, right. why aren't, you know, showing generosity and compassion to other people instead of, you know, being stuck up, you know? Well, I think that that, I think that has to do, I think that that has to do with like, um, well, a couple of things. First of all, like personal responsibility. That's the thing that I, I, I see missing. And, and, and that's the thing that, that could change the world. Like if everyone takes like personal responsibility with things but then the other thing is like you know the old jaded you know the jaded people that that Mm -hmm. we're talking about um are the people that are involved with this that are not connected with any of these deeper aspects of it so i mean if there's like a band that has a deep essence or something like that well that just goes right by them you know they're like yeah they're they're just you know out there to yeah, they're only out there on a superficial level. Right, yeah. right. And so so some people would say, oh, well, you know, you don't have to be all into this heavy, like, you know, essence stuff just to uh, be out and be into that. And it's like, you know, just to go to these shows and, and be into this right. kind of music. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that you need to have like a deep essence and, a, and an interest in – you know, going into the downstairs like we were talking earlier, and 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 knowing who I am, know thyself, and all these deep things. Right. I'm not saying you need that to be into a music scene. I'm saying that you need that to be a human being. Like right. that's like really what you're supposed to do originally. Right. And that was like the the original. You know, going back to primal primal yep. river valley and that whole concept. Yep. I mean, that was the idea back then. Is that to be a human being means you 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 come. You come into the world as a human being, and one of your obligations is to become responsible and to know yes. yourself, and that makes you a better person, yes. a better member. You can contribute to society and, and what everyone's trying to do, and you're certainly not going to want to run around and murder people. 
and take their money or whatever, you know, which is like what all these authoritarians are doing over there and all these monotheists are doing. They're just like, well, we just got to go like murder people and take their money and take their resources. And it's like they're playing this ancient, ancient, this, this, this old stupid game, you know, Um, and, you know, it's just the same thing again. And, And I bet you feel the same way. It's like when I grew up, you know, we're about the same age. We're we're the exact same age, actually, aren't we? I think so. 1968. So. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I I know we had that conversation at some point in the yep. past. But you know, yep. okay. So when I'm like going up through high school, they show us like all this horror of like World War II and then and and Vietnam, and it's like. Yeah, come on. We were peppered with uh, just infiltrated with all this imagery of Vietnam and how horrible that yeah. was. And they ended that yeah. war because it was so bad. The people spoke up and they said it was so bad they ended it. And it's like we're not having yeah. wars anymore. Right. And then we're, and we're then, growing up. In the, and then here we are. Right. And here we are. And it's like, you know, so, yeah, yeah, I know Reagan had secret wars and stuff like that. But they, oil. Right. <laughs> But right, no, it's and and now we're just we're just full on into it. We're just like total yep. war now. Yep. It's like unapologetic. We're total war. Everyone accepts it. It's been constant war since two thousand two. No one in sight. Yep. Nothing that's going on right now. No one's going to end it. They're every, talking about new wars. Political, you know? and while it is political, it's more economic. It's yeah. really to me, it's you know the major economic players. You know the the nations who have the the, the strongest influence on the global economy trying to maintain control and keep a stranglehold on that mostly yeah. our country like you know i it's like i it's one of those things where you know if you're you know you don't buy into all the the the, the typical uh conservative sheep mentality and you actually look at things objectively and and you live in this country you really it's really hard to respect it you know what i mean yeah. because you know, as kids, you know, we were so, you know, uh, brainwashed and, and inundated as to, you know, how great America was, you know, and now we just sit back and go, we're the fucking global bullies, you know, oh, no. and, 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 you know, of course, you know, other nations see it. That's what, that's why a lot of people in Europe hate Americans, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, it's, and, 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 and it's one of those things that the, the only effect I think as individuals that we can have is, um, of, of course, you know, trying to remain aware and active when it comes to, um, politics and voting and contacting your congressman and stuff like that. But at the same time, people need to, um, dig deep, learn what corporations are involved in controlling what, and vote with your dollar. Make sure that, you know, how you consume is in line with your own ethics. You know, don't give money to someone who is a corporation who is, you know, killing people to make money. You know right. what I mean? Um, or poisoning people to make money or, or whatever, you know, like don't support these things. You know, you you have to really think that, you know, every every penny you spend is supporting someone for whatever their goals are, you know, and, and that's something that. You know, going back to uh, the record label and the music industry, it's one of the reasons, again, you know, why I say I I won't work with, you know, the divas and the egomaniacs and these assholes who are, you know, just out for themselves. Because why do I want to put money in the pockets of someone who's just out to fuck people over to to get all they can? Why do I want to support that? I don't want to support that. I want to collaborate with people who are genuinely good people who have have a good sense of, of ethics 
so that, you know, on the off chance that we actually do make something off of it, I'm putting money in the pockets of people I know are good people. Yeah. You know what I'm and I think the same thing is needed when it comes to just being a consumer, whether it's at the grocery store or whatever products you're buying, you need to know who you're buying from, yeah. you know, and that's what I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to. And, and that really is what everyone needs to be doing because no, absolutely. it did that these megacorps that are controlling so much and fucking up so much wouldn't have the power they have because they would have nobody putting money in their fucking pockets. Well, you see these megacorporations, they get to the point where they they start they they, they they basically they become cronies it's like cro- I, I feel like cronyism is like really the problem with that it's that yeah. they get to the point where the government like says and the government's like really like uh, really tricky about this they come in and they say well we're going to support this this corporation because it's a good thing and this corporation is a good thing but then what it ends up is the government ends up creating monopolies which we all know yep. knew is like you know something that that they're they're not supposed to do but I mean, yep. I I think you're totally right that when you get back to like voting with your dollar, you know, that's the thing that like really makes a difference because I think you know, God, anyone who had any faith in like voting, doing anything, has to at this point like have completely <laughs> lost faith that, that 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 would matter at all. And and yep. when you mention how um, you know you, you know we're all like going through this right now. <laughs> What's that? I said that's why protesting's become the big thing. It's like now, you know, it's like, you know, people feel like their vote doesn't matter, so instead they got to get out and protest. But right. the thing is that people really need to think hard and choose their battles because yeah. if you you get out and you protest at the wrong time or for the wrong thing without having all the details, then you can actually make the situation worse. Right. Like you you got to choose your battles and make sure you do it right, do it productively. Well, the thing about protesting is what what happens in protesting is that, you know, the mass media shows up and they just turn it into whatever they wanted to. They, right. they spin it into right. whatever they wanted yep. to. And then a bunch of people yep. get hurt and then a bunch of yep. property gets destroyed and nothing changes. And then the powers right. that be use this as an excuse to inc- increase the police state. Right. Well, right. we've got to have more Which police now. Fine. Which is why people need to look at ways to to make their voices heard in a very productive, peaceful way. Right. Because that's the only way anything's really going to change. Right. Peace, peace, and responsibility. And and you yep. know you you talk about like well gosh you know I'm I'm so worried you know I know all my European friends are like well you know America is like you know the big you know <laughs> all fascist right now and it's like yep. well America is just behaving it's America is behaving like you know the final stages of all how all empires behave when they're in their final stages are overextending ourselves they're continuing to over overextend us you know um, yep. and and the thing that like. You know, we want to say to people is that don't confuse Americans with the current the the leadership, right? Right. right. And you know, I went through this like when um, when I was like uh, touring with Red Flag, we went to like Moscow. We met like Russian people, and it's like in my mind, I kept wanting to think that oh yeah, well they're all communists. Well, no, they're not communists. They're totally like you know they totally like deregulated, you know, decentralized and all this stuff. (laughs) Right. They're They're like people. And it's like that's just my programming that I need to get yep. over to like see people yep. as individuals. So again, going back to the left-hand path, if everyone could take responsibility and see each other as individuals, then 
I think the but world would be a better place. And a lot of the, I, I mean, agree. where all this shit is like going on, I mean, obviously the you know whole Islamic world is like dealing with this monotheism thing that the Western world, you know, had an enlightenment, you know, a couple hundred years ago and, and realized, you know, certain basic things like, you know, church and state and, you know, slavery is immoral and stuff like that. And a large part of the world is still like going through that. And, you know... Things could well, and, go ahead. And not only that, I was going to say what a lot of people don't think about is that America technically is still an infant nation. Yeah. You know, we've only been around for a few hundred years. You know, we really haven't been around that long, you know. You know so, you know, we're, we're still infants. We're still learning, you know. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, chaos and violence and acting out and making the wrong decisions and egos and everything else. And it's one of those things that, you know, either, either it's going to destroy itself from the inside, you know, um, or it's going to piss off everyone so much that everyone says they finally had enough and, and throws us into the fucking corner. Um, or we're going to hit a point to where we finally become self-aware and actually find a way to actuate the ideals that the nation was actually founded on. Right. You know what I'm because to me, the, 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 the founding fathers and the ideas that they based on, to me, are very Luciferian. Oh, yeah. You know? And, and but yet we're, you know, we're stuck in this, you know, oddly, you know, fundamentalist, religious, monotheistic uh, tailspin where so many people want to say, well, you know, America is a country based on, you know, God and country and Jehovah and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it wasn't at all. You know, it was very secular and it had a lot to do with the individual and individual rights and freedom, you know, and civil rights and and everyone, you know, being not only being equal, but, you know, having the independence to uh, of free will, you right. know. Um, so, yeah, to me, it was very Luciferian in principle. And even the that the symbols all over our monuments, you know, in the you know, the fact that we have a, a fucking monolith in D.C., you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 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 an Egyptian symbol that, you know, also has to do with the resurrect the, the, the resurrected God and the elevation of consciousness and, yeah. and all of this stuff, you know, um, which we're talking about, you know, the Jungian concepts and the, the you know, conscious evolution and all all of these things tie in, you know, and. And it's one of those things where, you know, uh, um, America as a nation has not become self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it has these ideas at its foundation, but it really hasn't gotten there. Um, well, I, so I, I think we don't know how to and, deal and with it. Will eventually, you know, it'll either destroy itself and, and if not, maybe it'll eventually get there. But, you know, it's one of those things. Only time will tell remains to be seen. No, I think you're right. I I think you're like right on when you when you're talking about um, the the founding fathers and their mm-hmm. the ideas that they were dealing with. Yeah, I mean Thomas Jefferson and and Ben Franklin and all these guys they were totally yep. into they were into really into like Greeks. Obviously, they're into the Greeks. You know, which takes us back to the Hellfire Club. <laughs> the Hellfire Club. They're into there's uh, it's something I saw recently that uh, Ben Franklin like found one of the early documents that uh, was available on on Zarathustra and and he was studying Zoroastrianism. He's like, man, this is the stuff because ancient Zoroastrianism is all about individuality, personal responsibility, the idea that metaphysically 
we are born as individuals. That's intentional. Right. We're built as individuals. There's no such thing as original sin. And when right. we like go into the afterlife, we continue our individuality. Um, and and they were into like all of these ideas. And um, I'm not sure where we got lost along the way, right. um, but right. it it does. It goes back to personal yep. responsibility. You know, all yep. the basic ideas of 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 you know individuality, independence. Uh, civil rights, property rights, all that. Um, yeah. If we can like get back to that, and and I think that really the whole concept of like presidents, the whole idea that oh we're represented, like Europe looks at us right, right. now, and it's like well right. they they thought we were okay like when they looked at us and saw Barack Obama, but now they look at right. us and they just see um, um, Trump, and so they don't like us anymore. You know, right. and it's like, well, we look at Russia, and it's like, well, we see, you know, it was it was okay when it was like Yeltsin or whatever, but you know, um, now we just see Putin, and we don't like you anymore. And it's like, I think that really we've evolved beyond that, and, and I think that's part of like what the founding of America was, where they really originally conceived of the role of a president as being actually very remote, a very small like thing. And right. you know what? Right now, we're not like that. The president is the fucking every. That's the dictator. Yeah. Everyone votes for yeah. that, and everyone, if if the if yeah. their president, I mean, this last election has been the main thing. If your president didn't win, everyone was just like, "Oh my god, the world is ending," and you know, and hated everyone else. So. Right, right, and it's just like created this like incredible division, and it's like. Yeah. I, I personally don't like the guy either, but you know what? If 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 it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, then it wouldn't matter. You know, it's like oh, it's like the manager of like whatever over there. Then it wouldn't right. be that big of a deal. Well, but it's like and, and it's all the world powers are like that right now. You know, right? Well, see, and the thing is, is you know, we have a certain level of uh, checks and balances that are in place that are supposed to come into play, but that only works with someone who actually accepts the norms of the office and the structure and everything else of government. And this president doesn't respect any of that. Yeah. And instead, is what they've done is they've tried to bypass all the checks and balances to seclude themselves and isolate themselves outside of everything else so that those checks and balances can't come into play and unfortunately that's exactly what new dictators do yeah you know you know, it, it, a lot of people don't realize, you know, they say, well, it can't happen here. But the thing is, is it, it can. You know, if someone ignores the system and isolates themselves enough and then builds, you know, their own regime, basically, yeah. they can take over the whole they overthrow the whole thing and take it over. And I honestly feel that this is what they were probably trying to do. But I don't think they're going to get away with it. Um I, personally, I, I would like to, you know, see not just the, the current POTUS, but his entire cabinet, not just impeached, but up on charges for treason, because I think that they were literally trying to take over the country and turn it into a dictatorship. And I think that if if any evidence can be brought to that fact, then it needs to be, you know. Yeah, but isn't that what every president has tried to do? <laughs> Not to that extreme. Aren't they all not trying to all. take it over? No, I'm not. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to belittle like uh, Trump. I I think he sucks. But I mean, like, as far as like, um, I mean, um, as far as like presidents like uh, 
declaring war, you know, not getting Congress, congressional permission to go to war. That's been going on since, that's been going on for like several administrations now, you know, Uh, it's just become a norm. And it's like, we grew up with this, you know, there's that World War II thing of like, America declares war, Congress approved it, you know, and it's like, they don't do that anymore. (laughs) And it's like... The the way I've always looked at, like, the past few presidents is it's always been, like, you know, they go in and they do whatever they can as far as, like, you know, passing laws and writing bills and doing different things to put money in the pockets of whoever their personal friends are. Whatever industry that is, whether it's the oil industry, the medical industry, whatever, they've gone in and they've done everything they can to try to put money in those people's pockets and that's what their goal was because those are the people who are giving them kickbacks and that's how they're making their living. Um, I think that the current one is far more dangerous than that. I think that the goal was way more, way, way more underhanded and way more devious. But Luckily, he's a fucking idiot who tweets everything on, on, you know, online, and and that in itself is is going to be enough to 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 gather information to use against him, you know, because he doesn't know when to shut the fuck up, you know. Right. He doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. He's he's too he's he, he's just a baby man with a bloated ego, you know, and it's obvious by the way he acts. Yeah. So the only thing though, man, the only thing though, the only thing though, dude, is like everyone said this about W too. Yeah. Everyone said this about W on his first term. Oh, I don't even think he knows how to read. But you know what? He got got a second term. He got to do everything he wanted to do. (laughs) Yeah. He got some serious coaching and actually learned how to give a speech like an adult. So yeah, I mean it's it's messed up to say the least. Yeah, it's it, 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 it it's a bizarre thing. So you know, here's the thing: like, even if they got rid of uh, Trump, even if like this whole like impeachment thing and everything is everyone's talking about, I don't have a lot of faith in it because I'm I'm too old and jaded because I've seen too I've seen this like said said too many times before about like presidents. And, right. and and it never happens. Like even like like the Nixon like impeachment thing. While you know, and you know, you and I like grew up like watching that on TV as children, right? So yeah. it's like that happened, but it's, then he like totally left. Totally looked and, like going the way of the of the Nixon era to me. Yeah, it totally like it's heading that way. Yeah. So I, you know, it's it's like maybe that will happen, but then you know, is that going to fix things? Because what are they what are they going to do? They're going to replace no. it with someone, right? Yeah, that's someone's going to replace them, right? There's, there's too many people in his – remember, he's, he's secluded his entire cabinet from Congress and everything else. So you still have all those people to contend with because they still have an agenda. Right. You know? And, it, I mean, come on. The, the, the president's always a, somebody's puppet, you know? Right. And so the current POTUS is the same thing. He's, he's just a puppet for the, the, the people who wanted him in there so that – you know, they could do whatever it is they want to do. And it's the same thing. You know, if you remove the POTUS, you, you, it's just like chopping one head off a of Hydra. It's just going to fucking grow back and it's not going to change anything. Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. Look, dude, Hercules, man. Hercules yeah. fighting the Hydra. Chop off a head, yeah. two more grow. Yeah. So how do you win? Fire. Yeah. Fire. That's exactly. the only way, that's the only way Hercules won. Fire. <laughs> yep. So I think, yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I think the the what really needs to be done is the that entire cabinet needs to be brought up on treason. That's what I think needs to be done. Will it happen? Doubtful. But I think that's what needs to be done. 
but if they bring up the whole t- so so if they bring up if they get I- if they get rid of all of them though then what are they going to replace him with someone's going to step in there and be the new president yeah someone probably already has their mind on that role right and that, <laughs> like exactly see people like us we are, we're always trying to think think like ever like life is a chess game and we're trying to think so many moves ahead and you know who's plotting what you know it's right. a certain level of paranoia i think that a lot of gen xers have you know this distrust and paranoia that we grew up with that that's just that's that's our world view you know we you know people are constantly saying oh you're just paranoid but it doesn't necessarily mean we're wrong you know yeah. <laughs> sad to say no there's someone watching there's someone watching waiting to like slip into that role i'm sure of it and i think the only solution for yeah if someone knows that 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 spot's going to be open there's there's probably a lot of contenders to the throne already you know yeah and they're probably getting it out behind closed doors somewhere in in some other way you know right, right no they thought like 20 moves ahead and they know all the players we don't know all the players we only know the yep. people that the media like shows us but there's all like you know you, you ever heard that uh that term the deep state the idea that yeah. like you know there's this whole other aspect of like the political class that goes really right. it's like the people that don't change like we only know about the people who change all the time like presidents and what like senators and congressmen you know they get voted hey pixie what's up <laughs> pretty much done so cool. they're done just shooting out for a bit. they're done shooting so they're just chilling out now <laughs> awesome do you, do you uh so, do you have any questions for her while she's here yeah so um so what do you think is the most important aspect of what you do your work that you do what is the most oh important God. thing to you? So, to say something. Just to be able to take all of my thoughts, feelings, political views, spirituality, to take all of that and to really just say something and hopefully make somebody else think about something. Yeah. No, I think that's the key. I think that's the key, really, right there, is like everyone like needs to understand responsibility right everyone needs to understand that their 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 essential individual nature and take responsibility for that and if everyone did that we'd be like on the right track yeah Yeah. and and maybe that's the answer to the question you had before us uh, can music have that i think that's really the only thing you know is to get people to really think and learn personality take action and to realize that you know, if they think consciously, act consciously, they can have effect world. No, I Especially think- if done in solidarity. You know, if people come together and do it in solidarity, you definitely can. Yeah. Right. Or even just individually do it on their own. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like if everyone just leaves each other alone. It's like the same effect. We'll have world peace if everyone just left each other alone. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> Stop fucking with each other. Leave each other alone, man. You know? So let people, let it be. Let it be, you know? John Lennon said that. Let it be. Yep. Yep. What is it? The golden rule? Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a dick. You know, let, 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 let everyone, let live, let be, let everyone prosper and do their own thing. You know, it's real easy, real simple. Yep. (laughs) But I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. 
I agree. All right, so hey, we want to like end this show with <laughs> with uh, an awesome song. So TG, can you tell us about the song we're gonna hear next? Um, this song is by Introspect Void. It's off their new album, um, Behind the Fallen Monuments of Time. And it's the uh, bonus track on the album. And it's a cover of Send Me an Angel. Which is, like, awesome. That's one of my favorite songs. Come on, you saw that. You saw the video at MTV, right? When you were a kid, TG? Like, what, 1983 (laughs) or 84? Of course. At the time, it really expressed everything I was feeling at the moment back then. All right, so we're going to, like, jam this shit out. And, you know... Everyone go check out like Venus Aeon and Latex Records online and discover more of this like amazing music that is going to change the world and make it a more intense and effective place to be for individuals who embrace their own inner darkness.
Wow. Introspect Void. These guys are awesome. I love that dark synth stuff. Very smooth. So if you want to check out more of these guys, head on over to latexrecords.com. I think you can also find them on Bandcamp. Search Introspect Void. And you can find even more amazing music there as well as at venusaeon.com. That's V-E-N-U-S-A-E-O-N.com. And you can also check out hadapixie.com, H-A-D-A-P-I-X-I-E, to check out more of her crazy erotic modeling. You know... I actually met the singer for that group, Real Life, who did the original Send Me an Angel song. Uh, when I was on tour with Morphine Angel in Australia, circa 1996, he was out of the music game at that point and just doing photography. So it was after a uh, show somewhere that uh, we were all hanging out. I got to meet that guy, so that was neat. Um, other things to think of is we have a new Damonosophy website at damonosophy.com. So head over, check that out, join the mailing list. And keep in touch. We're going to have some great guests coming up here. I'm talking to people like uh, Jeremy Crow, Luciferian author of the book Initiation into the Left-Hand Path, and also Dr. Aaron Cheek, author of Alchemical Traditions from Antiquity to the Avant-Garde, um, and also Dr. Cheek's a personal friend of mine who I got to meet during, guess what, my excursions into Australia in the mid-90s, probably within the same week time period that I met the real-life guy. So you see how everything comes back around and everything connects. It's just amazing. So anyhow, here's what's really crazy is without any planning at all, after all that discussion uh, in our conversation with TG about war and warfare and the state of things, well, it looks like this is going to be our Memorial Day episode unintentionally. And did you know, a couple of fun facts here. That this holiday originated as Decoration Day after the American Civil War in 1868 when the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of the Union veterans founded in Decatur, Illinois, established it as a time for the nation to decorate the graves of the Union War dead with flowers. So it's origins are really as a uh, celebration of a centralized authority. The other thing that I think is interesting is um, that 6,000 U.S. troops have been killed in war since 2001, and 4,000 plus of those were in the Iraq War. So here we are celebrating Memorial Day, you know, over 6,000 dead in the last decade and a half of war. And all of it is in foreign wars against people who never initiated war against the United States. To me, it doesn't make sense. 
And while on this day, I do honor the dead. I have family members and friends, and, and it's, it's all very tragic, the nature of war. And that we need people in society who are specialized in security and defense, no argument whatsoever. But my hope this year is that in some way, we will have some sort of awakening to the fact that all of the death that's going on right now is really easily avoidable. It's just completely avoidable. And, and I, I don't think it's getting us anywhere or making us a, a safer place to live or certainly making, uh, making the world a safer place for Americans. So anyhow, in the spirit of all that, here's to all those who have died on this Memorial Day and with all that in mind, please remember yourself. Remember to leverage conscious evolution at every opportunity you get. And let's like look towards a future where there's peace, prosperity, growth, and brotherly love and harmony, all good things. So. With all that in mind, keep the dark fire burning. <laughs>